Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. My name is Rockin' Randall Colburn, and I feel like I haven't been on the pod in a while. And I haven't. I've, I've missed you all terribly. Um, but I do like a lot of your posts on social media. Um, so I figure that's my way of staying present with all of you fine listeners. Yeah, you haven't been on the pod because I think you voiced your opinion that you hate this show. So I never said that. No, you didn't say that. Didn't um, say I'm that. just not slavishly devoted to it like you are. I am uh, to to quote uh, Greece. I'm uh, hopelessly devoted. <laughs> Wait, this. when is that in Greece? That's when you know Sandy's walking around singing and stuff. Oh, you ever see Greece? It's been a while, but I do love Stained. it. Stained. You know who my favorite uh, Gr- Greece character is? Who? The nerd Eugene. Eugene? Is yeah. that his name? Yeah, Eugene. I guess you're a Greek scholar over here. I <laughs> you, you, you doubted my Greece uh, I know. I know two characters. I know two characters. I know uh, Danny, played by uh, John Travolta. Yeah. And um, Sandy. So you know the two protagonists. Good for the you. The two protagonists. You yes. don't know Kaneki? Kaneki is... Uh, Jeff Conway. That's Jeff Conway. Rest guy, in peace. Did he die? I think he's dead. He's the one that like gets hit in the head with the, the door, and then yeah, and then he can't drive, even though it's ridiculous. Yeah. He should still be able to drive. Yeah. But I'm glad that later in life, he got addicted to a lot of pills. Oh, wow. It's really sad. He was on Celebrity Rehab like twice. Well, I guess he really was a greaser. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, yeah. thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> for the Grease cast. Um, this is Grease cast. No, uh, we're here to talk about Castle Rock again. It's We're on episode eight. We kind of came off a momentous week last week with the Queen, which was... You know, considered uh, was lauded around the internet as being pretty great, as well as these parts. We well, talked to Dustin Thomason or Dusty, as uh, us good friends of his called yeah, him now. We're on a first meeting. And uh, Sam Shaw, who follows both of us on Twitter, which is pretty <laughs> cool. So, um, but we got to chat with both of them. If you haven't heard our chat with them yet, please go back and listen to it. It's really cool. We we talk about all kinds of things. They're just really personable guys. Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not one of those tepid sort of like sterile interviews where all we do is just kind of get the talking points. I felt like they really uh, no, I thought they were great. They were very real and very honest. And yeah. um, you know, we actually got into some minutia, which was really cool. So yeah, it was really cool. So yeah, we're really excited to talk about episode eight, which is called Past Perfect, and uh, quite quite a lot happened here. But mm-hmm. before we get into that, we've got a little bit of Stephen King news to share. Uh, first and foremost, Mr. Mercedes season two has kicked off. Um, we don't have the audience network because that is not a real thing that exists. I don't. We don't know who it is and where to find it. But this is an absolute lie because we had screeners last year and I just had been too fucking I think lazy. We, I think we got swept up with Castle Rock and everything and we forgot to ask for screeners. So I got we, swept up with Castle Rock with everything. So we'll like, do it. We'll we'll throw in periodic updates because I, I, I think I'm the only one on the pod who watched the entirety of the first season and I, you really, are. I really liked it. I well, thought it was I, excellent. I thought it was so good that I actually considered it one of the best Stephen King things last year and I didn't even actually finish it. So, you know. Way to kind of poke holes in the way we, <laughs> we run do this coverage. site. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if you've seen it, that's all that matters. 
look, I trust your opinion. I trust your opinion. It's so. great. I mean, from what I can gather, they're basically skipping the second book as of right now because they want to continue the Brady Hartsfeld story, which um, in the tri- book trilogy, minor spoilers, um, the second book, we get kind of a reprieve from Brady. And but the is, third book, he comes roaring back. The second book's good, though, right? Just love the second book. It's so called Finders Keepers. Is that better than the third? Um, I th- I think... If I look at it, uh, the second book was my favorite of the three, but that doesn't mean that the third book's not good. It just gets it gets really crazy. Is the Hodges trilogy kind of like uh, the Godfather trilogy, where the first one's really good and then the second one's really good and the third one's not good? No, because the Godfather three is considered tremendously bad. Yeah, or so at least uh, comparatively. Yeah. Um, End of Watch is kind of a little bit better than the first book mm-hmm. because I think the first Mister Mercedes book is kind of a hot mess. Yeah. Um, but I think the series really took what worked in it and mm-hmm. really extrapolated on it and added some great new characters. And also I think, um, I don't know, it just, it kind of, it, it uh, casting Brennan Gleason was huge Yeah, because the it's way great. Hodges is written in the book is as we've joked about on the pod quite a bit is uh, it's kind of weird <laughs> because he's like, he's like this older slob. He's like folksy in but ways that are gets, really cheesy and dumb. But he and, still gets, he still locks down. Well, there's that whole aspect that he's like a gross old man who constantly talks about how he's overweight and then the moment he meets like a woman who's like 30 years younger than him and super hot, she immediately wants to bone him. Which is kind of a staple of Later King and yeah. um, something that I think we're all sorting through our feelings right now. But we'll get to Revival in um, uh, seven years. So, Oh wow, I haven't actually read Revival. Revival's yet. good, but there's definitely one of those relationships. Well, I'm actually excited for Revival from the movie by Josh Boone who who's done a ton of Stephen King movies and I love everything that he's done uh, you know it's great he only keeps picking up one more after another without ever finishing any of them I'm really well, excited no, for he's Stan. gonna finish the stand you think so he's in the writer's room you know I was thinking about this over the weekend the stand could easily be a TV show just make it a TV show it's it's gonna be a six episode miniseries it doesn't need to be six episodes just make it like five seasons uh, could you have a whole season about the kid I don't want to see and trash can man. Make that an internet exclusive. <laughs> like log into CBS for the kids. CBS all access for the. You could see you know whoever who who would you play? Uh, who would you have played Trash Can Man right now? Who would I have played Trash Can Man? Yeah. Bring back Matt Frewer. Man, just bring him back. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's, he's like, like thirty years older. And, yeah, yeah, he's got gray hair, but I think it still works. You well, could say could, it's maybe because... he could play like post nuclear Trash Can Man. Post nuclear? Yeah. Well, I wait. Mean, oh, he could play post nuclear, like holding the bomb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. No, no, that's no actually, shade of Matt Frewer or anything. That's he, actually a great question. You know who I think could be a really cool left field casting choice, but this is kind of an A lister. Jack Black. Ooh. For for the for uh, trashy for trash. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to get a little controversial. What I do could you think? see that. I could see that. You know who I think should play Larry Underwood? Who? Dave Grohl. That would be amazing if they did. He's a little old though. Yeah, but maybe, Dave maybe they in could. His 50s now. Well, you know, you know who should. Have you read Desperation? No. Uh, there's our old rocker character who's like in his 50s and that. Bad. And Johnny Marinville and Dave Grohl could kill at that. Is, do you think he's a twinner of Larry Underwood? Yes. Wow. No, actually. No, no you don't all. think so? No. Um, I, I'm still going with. Uh, Justin know, Bieber? Well, not. But Bieber's on the list, but I would probably <laughs> go with. I'd have to, I still think Ryan Adams would be a great. Uh, no, Larry Ryan Adams. Adams sucks. He would be great. All that guy does is talk shit. He would, and he and would just be tweeting the throughout the whole movie. No, Ryan yeah. Adams sucks. Um, his <laughs> songs are all bad. There's not a single good one. I'm totally kidding. I know. I know. I'm totally kidding. I know. You know Actually, I, I, I got a lot of. I got a lot of people that could play Larry Underwood. I, you know, I just. I, I think that there's a roster of talent that's uh, in a small town that uh, we don't need to visit right now. But there's some great names out of that small town that you could pull to play there. Are you talking about Castle Rock? Oh, I'm talking about another small town. It's in the Midwest. We like to go there before we go to Chicago. 
Little Hawkins, Indiana. And oh, I boy. think that we can get, I, I'm not even talking about Joe Curie here. I'm talking about, let's just get um, Finn. Yeah. By the time they, by the time this stand that Boone's working on ever actually comes out, exactly. Finn'll, Finn'll be in his twenties. Yes, and he'll be a young Larry Underwood. <laughs> Can you imagine if they just if they start rolling now and and Finn Wolfhard plays Larry Underwood and he's like he's like fourteen years old and he's like a Mac DeMarco type. Oh my god! He's like, but like, and they actually do the scenes where he's in L.A. and like uh, you know going through like, like doing coke recovery. and everything and he's doing the cocaine. He's just like, hey guys, I ordered pizza. And he has like his high <laughs> like Mac DeMarco's there and like. You know, for some reason, Joe Curie's there. Like, the whole post-animal band is there. Like, you know. Those guys were nice. They were really nice. Yeah. Like, I feel like post-animal used to be an easy band to bag on a little bit. Yeah. But after meeting them, they're very, very nice. They're very nice. And I was also very embarrassed that I had a sticker of their, uh, you know, member on my fucking uh, computer. Laptop? They all go, hey, that's a member of my band. And, and, I, and I go, yeah, I love Stranger Things. Not And totally forgetting I actually have a sticker that says Stranger Things on yeah. my laptop. Like, no shit, I love the fucking That's kind of like that story about when Michael Shannon was working on Groundhog Day yeah. and he went up to Bill Murray who was listening to Talking Heads and he goes, he goes, hey, you like Talking Heads? And Bill Murray just stared at him and he goes, yeah, I like the Talking Heads. <laughs> It's like one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Which, like, you know, hey, tables turn. Uh, Michael Shannon's a better actor than Bill Murray. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Yeah, well, acting's not all about uh, craft and talent. It's about charisma. And well, Bill Murray's you know, got look, it in spades. But, you know, but Michael Shannon has a, a much longer list of rogues gallery of uh, memorable, lovable characters than Bill Murray does. Bill Murray so. never wanted to be an actor. He just wanted to be funny. Yeah, and he is. Makes me laugh all Should the time. Should we actually talk about the things that yeah, this pod is centered on? Stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, let's go back to this. Well, let's talk. So we were talking about news. Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> we, that Somehow all the bullshit we just talked about yeah. came out of talking about Mr. Mr. Mercedes. Mercedes season two. Mr. Mercedes, which if you've seen, please uh, send us a message and tell us how it is. Yeah. If you have the if you are one of the 10 people in the United States that has the audience network. Well, look. Or Cap- knows where to find it. <laughs> As all our constant listeners know, Castle Rock is currently not on the map anymore. It's uh, off the grid. So if you want to reach us. That's why we haven't been able to watch uh, Mr. Mercedes this summer is because we've been stuck in a small town. They don't have access to we the We can only watch network. one TV show. One show. Time. One show a summer. And I'm sorry, Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason, not just because they're you know best friends of the pod, um, <laughs> but we went with their show. I'm sorry. If, if the audience network would have like, you know, preferred, actually, that's not true. We actually are going to have some interviews for uh, Mr. Mercedes. So we stick should. Around. Oh, yeah. Our uh, honorary loser, or actually not an honorary loser, a uh, permanent loser. Allison Shoemaker. Oh, nice. Was out and about doing some interviews for us out in LA. Oh, she is cool. Part of the TV critic circle now. Yeah. So, TCA, I think. So. And so she talked to some Mr. Mercedes people? She did. Nice. Yeah. She talked to the showrunner. So. Oh, showrunner. Get ready for that. Uh, Wish she talked to Brennan Gleason. I did too. Uh, I would have asked Brennan Gleason if he thought when he was filming 28 Days Later. Yeah. And the blood goes into his eye. Spoiler alert, everyone. And. He like starts shaking and convulsing and stuff. Like, did he think that like he was worried how, um, you know, if he got a pink eye, like when he had the stuff what? in his eye? Yeah, like in the movie, like he gets something in his eye. Yeah, but that's not. It's like, so you want to know if that the actor was worried yeah. when he got blood in his eye in the movie if he got pink if eye? If he thought his character, like before he thought that he was a zombie. Oh, you mean the character? Yes, that was not the his thought actor. process. If the thought process was that first, like, oh god, I hope I don't get pink eye in this post-apocalyptic land. And then he thought, oh, maybe it's blood and I'm actually... If so, then that's some impressive character work. I would hope so. He's really kind of like connecting all the dots. Well, I Um, love him. You had some other news. We do have some other news. You know, we haven't been to The Overlook in a while. No. And we're going to be there uh, in a a couple years when Mike Flanagan takes us to Doctor Sleep, which is a direct sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. We'll see. But there are some news that is coming out of uh, The Overlook and The Real Overlook, as in the Stanley 
hotel. The news wasn't necessarily coming out of the Overlook so much as going into the Overlook. And what was going into the Overlook? It was a bear. A black bear. Black bear. Really creepy. So a black bear wandered into the lobby of uh, the Stanley Hotel, which as you know, if you know your Shining trivia, was the original hotel that Stephen King, the author that this podcast is based on, wrote The Shining in. So that's kind of creepy. I would be wandering around. You already, you already have to worry about ghosts in this hotel. Because there are confirmed ghosts in this. You can Google it. There are people have taken Confirmed photos. ghosts? Confirmed ghosts. Like there's photos? Yeah, it's proof. So ghosts, ghosts are real. Have, so ghosts have been proven. They have been proven. Okay, cool. Point. Good to know. Glad um, this is how I found out. <laughs> That's what you learn every day on the podcast. Yep, yep. You, know, you don't need to go to these like other podcasts. You, you find out about you know true life uh, <laughs> creepy stuff all the time when you're on, on random sections that we just go off on, on uh, you know tangents. You love but, us for our tangents. Love it. But... Uh, Surprisingly, the the bear just wandered in, and um, there was no damage. Didn't mess up any furniture. Didn't pee anywhere. Didn't eat any of the food. Just went in, went out. It didn't like kill anyone. No, it didn't kill anyone. It wasn't like Jack. So there's the, <laughs> like <laughs> who Jack doesn't. Even, I guess Jack technically in the book does Jack doesn't kill anyone. Uh, no, that's weird. Yeah, he just got he just goes crazy. And he, Stanley Kubrick won the one that's actually canon. Soul. That's uh, he does kill someone though. In the Stanley Kubrick film version, which is separate from the book, and um, but it is the real story. Well, the real story is the Stephen King novel that will that has birthed a sequel in Doctor Sleep, wow. and Mike Flanagan's making it into a movie. That's true, and, and you know what's going to be cool is when it opens up, and you're going to see the Overlook Hotel from the 1980 classic by Stanley Kubrick. That and probably won't happen. Go what, into the halls. What we will probably see, though, is that Scatman Crothers is alive um, at the beginning of Dr. Sleep, which means that we're following the book and not the film. Well. And uh, do you remember the bet we have? Agree to disagree. Uh, I have to give a five-noser to a movie yep. of my choice. If Scatman Crothers is alive at the beginning, I love how listeners- you're saying Scatman Crothers is if, like the actor. <laughs> they hired someone. All right, so this is what our reasoning is now here. We hired... An actor that looks kind of like Scatman Crothers to play Scatman Crothers in an, a book adaptation of Doctor Sleep, yeah. which would be have nothing to do with Scatman Crothers, would have to do with Dick Halloran. Dick Halloran. So I meant to say if Dick Halloran <sighs> yeah, is yeah. alive at the beginning I think, of Doctor I think Sleep. there's a lot of Freudian slips here that confirm that this is going to be a direct sequel to The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's version. Listeners, the, the superior listeners version. we need you to hold us to this, that there is a bet. And let's just lay it out again. And I'm probably going to bring this up every episode That's until good. it comes out. Okay. Uh, if Dick Halloran, not Scatman Crothers, is alive at the beginning of Doctor Sleep, then Mike needs to give a preemptive five noser to a movie of my choice. Of your choice? Yep. And well, maybe I'll consult with Justin and Mac first. And then if if he is dead at the beginning of it, and it's confirmed that this is a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, then you have to tell me what movie I'm giving a preemptive. Well, what if it's a combination? It could be a combination. Um, Then we both have to. We both we both we both both lose. (laughs) We both have to give five nosers to the the listeners get to choose. The listeners get to choose. Yeah. And we have to commit to that. That means that when the movie comes out, we have to give it a review that reflects a five nose review. Fine. So what, that's, if they, what if they choose for us to like review some random movie that has nothing to do with Stephen King, though? Um, We're good to devote a whole episode to it? Yeah. All right, fine. That's it. We did the page master. You heard it. Uh, I like the idea that um, the vice president of the Stanley Hotel, to go back to the story we were actually talking about, sounds like a comic book character. Reed Rowley. Reed Rowley? Vice, vice president. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool name. Not Stuart Ullman. Stuart Ullman. Surprisingly. What's the name of the actor who played Stuart Ullman? Oh, God. I just saw his signature yesterday. 
Uh, Why did you see it? Oh, well, you were at Wizard they, World. We were, at, we were at Wizard World, and it I was thought a you lot only saw Thomas Ian Nicholas's signature. I did, and, it, and I also saw his uh, his really cool photos where he's going down on Tara Reid. So, what if like every piece of merchandise was signed by Tom Thomas Ian Nicholas? Like, uh, like, like the shining, shining, like shining, like right next to the Shelley Duvall and Scatman Colors, you have Thomas Ian yeah, Nicholas. Yeah, like he he just added a sig to it. What if he insisted on it? Like he wouldn't do any of the conventions. <laughs> And the conventions were so desperate to have Thomas Ian Nicholas involved that they just let him sign everything. Like, oh, here's a rare uh, 1980 uh, Empire Strikes Back with uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Thomas Ian Nicholas, like right, right on it. <laughs> like, but and then they put like a little photo of him into the upper left hand corner. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Wait, so since he was there, was there any Halloween resurrection? Uh, uh, pod crossover here. We could have done that. Yeah. Oh no, hey, but I mean, was there any resurrection? Was he shelling any resurrection? No, merchandise? I didn't even see him. I, you know what I did see though. Um, not to go on too much of a tangent, which we already have. Uh, but uh, well, he's also in, I believe, American Pie. Uh, Who does he David play? David Crumholtz. Oh, Crumholtz. He's, he's not in, in American Pie. He's in the second one, right? Or third? No, one? he's not in any of them. He's, he's not in any of he's them. He's in Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things. That, that's what it is. Which, if which, you are, if you are a Chicago listener, oh wait, this probably won't come out. No, when does this come out? This comes out Tuesday. Ah, Tuesday night. So the night My that favorite, you're listening uh, cast to this. cast member from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Yeah, the, the night that you're listening to this, I'm actually playing David Crumholtz in a reading of 10 Things I Hate About You. At the, mu- at the, at the music box? box, yeah. It's part of Redacted. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I like that they chose like a really good movie to do that, too. Well, that's, that's what we do is we choose those kind of movies. You choose like shitty movies. Yeah, like. but that's kind of a shitty movie. No, it's not a shitty movie. That's like one of the best 90s. Uh, that is the best 90s rom-com. Bold statement. Or kid rom-com. Summer Catch is better. Summer Catch? Freddie Prinze. You know, I think, I actually, if I recall, the replacements are on the Summer Catch, so that gets a little points for me. There you go. Any other King news? Well, there's think, one. Okay. There's one. Um, we, oh, yeah, the tweet. The, they had the tweet, yeah. So Stephen King was tweeting back and forth with Peter Straub. And it started with a tweet by Jeff Vandermeer. Do you know who Jeff Vandermeer is? No, I don't know. He wrote Annihilation, which was just made into a movie with Natalie Portman. Haven't seen it, but I heard it's a great film. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's Justo's number one of the year, which, sorry, Justo. Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't agree? It's not a five-noser. Well, he hasn't seen Black Klansman, and that's my number one of the year. It's a good movie. What do you have at number one? Um, First Reformed. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That I, do or, love, uh, I do love Ethan Hunt. That or uh, The Happy Time Murders. <laughs> well, that's my favorite film, because I love, <laughs> I love when puppets get crazy. <laughs> I love I just, mean puppets. <laughs> love mean I puppets. I love jizz and puppets. Uh, yeah, me too. And it doesn't get any better when you expect them to do childish things and they do a little adult humor. I could um, not believe it when the puppets started fucking. You know, my whole life I was like, this is such a wholesome business, having nice little puppets do fun little stories. Yeah. For them to curse, that is wild. I couldn't believe it. I was I watching just, this movie. <laughs> I thought I was ready to watch a Muppets movie. And then suddenly the puppet's dick is out. I, it's like wild. This puppet started fucking another puppet. You know, it's like I've never seen Avenue Q before. Uh, so anyway, Jeff Vandermeel, 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 <laughs> that's his restaurant actually. Oh, um, <laughs> I eat there. Um, Jeff Vandermeer tweeted, he, he posted a photo of a box in the corner of an empty room and it said, former owners left us this dot, dot, dot box dot, dot, dot in the new house. Should we open it or should we sell the option to open it to Netflix? And Peter Straub replied, do you want to read that Mike? Take that box outside right now and bury it in a distant neighbor's backyard. Was that your British accent? I, I don't even know how Straub sounds. I don't even, I've never even read Straub. Uh, King says, open the box, get three wishes or three curses. Sounds mm. like a Stephen King novel. It does. Um, so it's pretty cool to see them engaging and also engaging with the young bucks. The, the guys writing the kind of the new horror, although Vandermeer doesn't really write horror. No. 
Annihilation is horrific, but it's not really horrible. Is it really horrific? I heard there's some body horror in there. Yeah, it's good. Um, I tried reading the second one. I thought it was really boring. And then my friends told me not to bother. But the first one's really good. Um, well, I like Oscar Isaac, and I, he- I hear he's in the movie. He's so. very good. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, for me, it's like a 3.5 noser. Uh, the movie out of five out of five what, what, what i'm switching up the rating all of a sudden like <laughs> what we're if at 10 to, noses all of a sudden yeah we'll go 10 no and, and i just said i liked it i wouldn't give it 3.5 out of yeah, 10 yeah that's true okay well is it time to talk about the episode i think we actually can get to the episode let's right. just uh, hop in this car i'm driving you're driving. I'm driving. I'm putting on shades. You're putting on some shades, which, by the way, I need my shades back. <laughs> I know. I actually meant to bring them today, and I yeah. forgot. Well, you could use them for now. Yeah. Because uh, I don't need them where I'm driving, because uh, the overcast is out, and uh, and it's a little dark out there. <laughs> We're going to Castle Rock. <laughs> what a fucking nightmare what, opening. Yeah, what a creep. Gordon? Maybe next time you'll think twice before you spring a lunatic from prison. Can I help you? Do you hear it? You do. Finally. Who are you? Why did you ask for me? What are you doing here? Greetings from Castle Rock. This is the section where we talk about the, uh, the basically the episode, the yeah, plot, the characters, and everything. We used to do heroes and villains, but it just got too confusing. It just got way too confusing. So we're just going to talk about everything now, yeah. and then we'll break down our favorite things, our not-so-favorite things, scary things as we move on. Yeah, we're going to have the other sections. Yeah. No heroes and villains, which is a disappointment to me because I loved hearing uh, Someone Save Me by uh, Remy Zero. It's That's true. Not even the name of the to- song, but... I love hearing it, and I love Smallville. And if you want to listen to Smallville uh, or or watch Smallville, you can go to Hulu. You could also join the Nixium cult. Yeah, and brand that's yourself. True. I I really like Allison Mack a lot. So she's great, great actress. Also very very good at brainwashing people. Um, let's talk about Gordon and Gordon's wife, which is literally how she's listed on IMDb. Gordon's uh, the wife. Actor, yeah, uh, this is the couple who yeah, opens oh, yeah. up the bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. So. After coming on, uh, she, she her name is the actress's name is Lauren, so I'm going to call her Lauren. Okay, let's because call I don't want to call her Gordon's wife. The yeah, that's weird. Because you know what, I I think women deserve to be equal to men. Hey, you know, I am agree. I a revolutionary? I think you're probably revolutionary. You should probably tweet about it too. I should definitely tweet about it. Um, so you put it as, like you know, Randall, woman first, Colburn. Randall, ally to all women. Yeah. Colburn. I think that would be good. I think that should be my, uh, instead of Rock and Randall, I'll yeah. be Randall, ally to all <laughs> That's women. That's going to be your new uh, call sign? Yeah. Okay, um, so let's talk. I, I think after coming uh, coming off The Queen, which was an insane episode, yeah. ending with Alan Pangborn getting gunned the F down. Yeah. He's dead. By Ruth Deaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is definitely dead. That was confirmed to us yep. by... Um, by Sam Shaw and Dustin Thomason. So mm-hmm. pretty big deal. So, uh, but instead of beginning with them and kind of picking up where the story left off, we go back to some characters we last saw in episode four of The Box. Yeah. And it's Gordon, who is a professor, and Lauren, who is his wife, who apparently had an affair. Yeah. And so I actually love this opening. Me too. Because it really felt like the beginning of a novel yes. or a short story. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it felt so kind of... Uh, in its own little bubble, like its own little pocket yeah. within, and it felt so king, oh, especially absolutely. just like the section where they're talking to the guy about tenure or whatever, yes. like the flashback, and then he's like, you know, he does that whole talk about I can't remember what he's talking about. Well, they're, ta- they're they're talking about like philosophers, and then he talks about tenure, and then yeah. you can see, I guess they were, he was one of his colleagues. 
So right. The one around his back, I guess. And right. Fucked and his wife. So. Yeah. And then he beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Which was awesome. And yeah. it reminded me a little bit of Jack Torrance. It Not did. Jackie. Jack. Yeah. And Jackie's in this episode. She is. We'll talk about her later. Yeah. So I actually am really glad this couple came back because I found mm-hmm. them very intriguing. I did too. And the actor, his name is, I, I figured they would come back because I recognized the actor. Yeah. Mark Herlick. Do and you know so, where he's in from? I was wondering if you would know this. Yes, I do know. Milos? Yep. <laughs> The tennis instructor, the shitty tennis instructor that Jerry absolutely destroys. Which, by the way, I believe Jerry has an affair with his yes. wife in the episode. Yeah. So this guy just loves playing a cuckold. He's the ultimate cuck. Ultimate cuck. Um, give you know, the, he give voted, him the right wingers. Definitely voted for Hillary. Totally. Um, but no, this this I was so excited uh, to see him again. And yeah. I when I went to his IMDb page and I saw the Milos yeah. um, bit, I like lost my mind laughing. Yeah. It's great. I, I'm so glad to see this guy again. And I looked at his resume. He's doing just fine. Oh, he's doing great. He's and actually, doing plenty of work. If I recall, uh, Coca-Cola one time, like maybe 10 years ago, they held like a short film contest with uh, Tallahassee Film School. Mm-hmm. And one of Caffrey's colleagues or something like that from um, the or no, Bill Hansen or friend, yeah, yeah, friend yeah. of the cast and also one of our old roommates. He his one of his buddies won and he worked with this actor. Oh, and cool. it was like and I remember he like does some sort of dream sequence with it. And he's like sitting in a boardroom reading. And I remember seeing that and being like, why does he fucking ring a bell? And it was Milos. Milos. I always think of Milos with him. Milos. Because when he like tries to actually, like when Jerry actually does play tennis with yeah. him and he just totally sucks. Yeah. Like, what are you doing there, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say um, at least 40% of Mike and I's conversations are dominated by Seinfeld. Club. Love so, Seinfeld. Love so this was very exciting for us. But let's, let's get back to the episode. So they yeah. move in and they want to turn Dale Lacey's house mm-hmm. uh, that him and his wife have found. Well, he's he's dead and dead. and his wife has moved out. Yeah. Uh, they want to turn it into an immersive bre- bed and breakfast mm-hmm. that is for the true crime aficionado. Uh, and so they're actually recreating actual murders that happened in that house yeah. or around town as well, I yeah. think, in exquisite detail, yeah. he says. And um, – and it's clearly he got fired from the university for beating up the guy. So it feels like, you know, it, it feels like The Shining it does. in a lot of ways. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like there's a lot of nods yeah. to it. And uh, Wait, so you, you, you think that he got uh, like fired from that? Like with a... Yeah, that's the vibe I got was mm. that they were kind of starting over. They moved away from the university where he was because he got fired for beating up the guy. And then um, like it just felt like a very Jack Torrance kind of situation. Yeah, well, definitely. I definitely get that for yeah. sure. And I also got kind of like a thinner Richard Bachman vibe from here. Maybe oh like, yeah, because like, he was he was such like a shitty guy. Yeah, like that's the thing too is it was it's it's either because like with novels, King rarely rarely gives us a novel protagonist yeah. who is unsavory yes. or like they can have negative qualities, but they're ultimately good good people. Yeah, yeah. this guy clearly is bad news, mm-hmm. and so um, I mean Jack is kind of the exception in some ways, but you can also Love argue Jack. that Danny is the protagonist of The Shining. Yeah, um, and we I say we follow him probably even more, like especially once the book gets going. Yeah, but. Like, um, but for this guy, like he had a very Bachman feel because the Bachman yeah. characters are always really kind of fucked up and also plagued by very human sort of things like, uh, like, like, you know, marriage problems, yeah. infidelity, yeah. things like that. And sort of prone to bursts of violence, I think. So. Yeah. And I, and you know, I really love the conceit of this bed and breakfast too, because it feels so meta, Yeah, you know, cause like, that's what we're looking at Castle Rock yep. as like this way to like revisit past crimes. Yeah. There's like the commentary of like the true crime element as well. Yep. That's been, you know, popularized right. and made almost kind of like it kind of like works intrinsic like intrinsically tied to king in a way like oh totally it's like very similar well just, that's what he's writing these days yeah, too exactly it's so, like crime stories yeah yeah so i, I love that i that that sort of like tongue-in-cheek uh meta feeling to it but I, while watching it 
it did feel because it was so left field. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they established these characters with Molly in previous episodes, but it did feel very like almost like um, abrupt, like almost like Ryan Murphy, like American Horror Story, ah. which like the when, when it first starts out and it's like not too. I have thoughts on that that I'll save to misery. Um, okay. I have a lot of thoughts on yeah. on this story, which I do like, yeah. but I more so want to talk about it later, like in yes. a greater context yeah. of the show. Yeah. But I think in a vacuum, it works really well. I agree. And I love the acting between the people. Yeah. And I love the sort of the way that the storytelling is so streamlined mm-hmm. and really clear and distinct. Yeah. And the acting is so good. Yeah. And then um, the, uh, and so then this couple comes in and they want them to like engage with the whole tour and everything, but yeah. they just want to bone. Yeah. So then, uh, and then they hear them boning at night. And then all of a sudden they, the Lauren wakes up to hear screaming and uh, Gordon is over their dead bodies covered in blood. But there's not, that, that's not the only person that's uh, watching them. In this house are oh, yeah. dozens. I forgot about that. Dozens of Skarsgård paintings. Yes. That were <laughs> all in the basement. The kid, which means that Lacey was just like painting him, um, you know, wearing this and only this. Yeah. And I love those paintings. Yeah. I want one of those. I know. Paintings. I want one of those too. I hope that at the end of the season, they. You know, they do some auction where they give off like, you know, you can like buy some of the things. And I hope our best friends of the cast, uh, Dusty Thomason and Sam Shaw. Oh, you mean the best friends of the pod? The best friends of the, yeah. the cast. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope that they they go like, hey, guys, here's something for the students. Because <laughs> I want a scar painting. In it here. would look incredible. In be, here. And they're that one that's like right over the bed that you see right before she when she wakes up. Yeah. Is this eye. I mean, obviously. That has to have some sort of presence with what's going on right. with the thing. You know, there's some sort of influence on this house. Maybe he gets magnetized to those paintings before because he says, "Does the art come with the house?" When he yep. when he first bought it with Molly, yep. uh, Molly the thing of evil. And um, <laughs> so when they, you know, there's this insinuation that maybe the the paintings have some sort of presence with this murder. Oh, totally. You know, well, um, and the, and let us recall also that I believe in like when Molly first came and met with um, Lacey's widow. Yeah. Uh, and asked why the basement was locked up. Yes. She said she didn't have the key. Mm-hmm. And so, but now we know what was in the basement, which was all these paintings. Yeah. And he hangs them up all over Everywhere. the house. And it's really super creepy. And I love all the paintings. And uh, yeah, so basically I think the implication is that uh, he already sort of, and this is a very King idea too, yeah. especially Shining. It's like uh, somebody already has sort of a built-in capacity for rage. Yes. And then yeah. it's it's exacerbated by an actual supernatural presence yeah. and yeah. like an evil presence. Yes. So we get that with the paintings. And then, so Gordon uh, slaughters with a butcher knife, uh, this couple and they're totally brutally nude. brutally. And, and uh, he says that he has no idea what came over him. Yes. Right? And you know? I feel like that is oh, a theme throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And also something that I think speaks to stuff we've seen previously. Like, yeah, like on Twin Peaks. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost spoiled the, uh, the entire series just by naming a name, but, uh, but no, the, um, but like when I think about the birthday party yes. that went wrong and this whole yeah. idea that people are driven um, to terror. Like, yeah, driven to terror, like driven to, to this monstrous behavior mm-hmm. uh, by the, this presence. Yeah. And it's kind of wild that, you know, Skarsgård's, the kid's presence manifests even through paintings. Yes. <laughs> Which and, I, I, that's yeah. why I want one. Yeah, I know, because it would dry, we'd all murder each other live on air. But do you think that we would still record the podcast if we had uh, these this painting here? Yeah, like I, we, I mean, we unless were, we killed each other. Well, I mean, I'm saying like when we get influence, and I'm just like, ah, like you know, stabbing. Like, do you think we? we I'd still make sure like the sound was really good. And yeah, stuff though. Yeah, and right. also you just have to kill a minor member of the pod, like Justin. Yeah, like Justo. Yeah, 
Um, I'm just kidding. No shade to Justo whatsoever. No shade to Justo. Who's having a lot of fun right now in Tennessee. In Nashville. Yeah. Why did you say Tennessee? He's in oh. Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. I know. It's just kind of weird. Like, yeah, Tennessee's Tennessee. like a, it's the whole like, state. He's not in rural. He's not in Chattanooga. Who knows where he's roaming? Where he's roaming? Don't think of three Gerbers. <laughs> what, is he the walking man? Yeah, he's walking the walking dude. man. The walking dude. <laughs> All three Gerbers just walking around like, you in know. Their, in their uh, denim jackets. Fucking Darjeeling Gerber over there. Darjeeling um, Gerber. Um, anyway. So, oh, you know what? Another thing I thought was fun was that this guy was also like a true crime aficionado himself because yes. they said he did his PhD work on the yeah. Uh, BTK color. Yeah. Which... Does that factor in this at all? Um, no, not necessarily. No. Uh, BTK was, you know, bind, torture, kill. Mm-hmm. So he, um, he, there wasn't really any aspect of no. of that in this kill. I just thought it was kind of a neat detail. And I've read a lot about BTK, so I'm a bit of a BTK expert. Oh, maybe wow. I, maybe I got my own PhD on it. Hey, Who maybe knows? maybe uh, you can open up your own bed and breakfast. I could, and then um, and then hopefully I'll I'll leave the paintings off the wall. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. <laughs> Was this the longest cold open that we've had? It was. That I got. I mean, from what I can gather, yeah, it's, it it's like a little, like it. it's like a contained story in itself, yeah. which is uh, what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. And actually, I, I do think it kind of served as a nice palate cleanser, maybe after yeah. the intensity of the last episode. Um, it's more so, I think my issues with it have to do with what happens later. But let's uh, scale yeah. back a little and talk about where Molly and Henry are at the beginning of the set. Well, we know that in the last time we saw Henry Deaver, um, Andre Holland... He was stuck in that blue box. Yeah. And which, we're not talking about is macaroni and cheese. called a schisma or something? The cheesma. Che- machismo? Like, like Richard Cheesmar. Uh, like, uh, 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 wait, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, well, I, I guess whenever I hear machismo, I think about the wrestler Razor Ramon. Oh, okay. From the early 90s. And you were wearing two wrestlers I on your wearing, shirt right now. I am wearing a tell, wrestling tell shirt. Tell the cast who, who are on your shirt. Uh, Mr. Perfect and Macho Man Randy Savage. I would say you could attribute, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Perfect the name to uh, Savage. I agree 100%. He's a great guy. Savage was like my favorite wrestler because he had was my he name. Was he actually a good guy though? Uh, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> I don't was, think really was, attribute... was any professional wrestler in the 80s a good guy? <laughs> uh, Brett Michaels. Wait, you mean Shawn Michaels or, or no. Brett the Hitman Hart? Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, Brett, no, was, Brett, was, no, Brett, was, Brett Hart. was more 90s than 80s, but he also was, uh, he had darkness, but not nearly as bad as the other guys. Darkness at the Edge of Town. It's Great true. album by Bruce Springsteen, available now on Spotify. Uh, Let's so go back to Castle Rock. Henry is in that box in that and box. he was freaking out. And How long? He's, he's been there for what, a few hours, maybe a day? I mean, I think it's overnight. Is the vibe That's I get? That's fucking crazy because it's morning when she when they're together. Yes. It's like just morning, I think. Anyway, okay. I could be wrong. So but she gets her little psychic visions, yeah. to Henry. She has her visions. She comes and she finds him. We, she saves him. Yeah. And then the people who, I can't remember, the blind guy and then Rory Culkin. Yeah, Justin's favorite character, uh, the, the, the deaf guy. Um, Justin did not like that character. He did not because he didn't like all the exposition the way I was saying. But I hey. love that scene. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So we, we get a... Uh, Roy Culkin and the, the well, deaf they're guy, gone. they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. And they've left him alone in that RV. And uh, Molly Molly saves him, pulls him out, and they drive home. And base- you pan over, and yeah. it seems the, 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 the deaf guy has a screwdriver shoved into his head. Wait, I missed that. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Yes, he's dead. Wait, he's dead? Yes. I missed that. Which means that Molly probably killed him. Ooh. I mean, if you, I don't know, someone killed him. Maybe it's the kid. Maybe it's I don't know who it is. It's weird. Or maybe There's, he killed himself. Or maybe it's Rory Culkin. Yeah, maybe Rory's a bad bad boy. Rory Culkin, uh, who was it? Rory Culkin was Todd or uh, Rory remember. Culkin was the killer in um, Scream Four. Spoiler but, alert. <laughs> I love it. We've spoiled. I bring. That I know. I bring it up like every three episode. fucking times now. At this point, 
Well, that's, there goes our screen, screencast. You know, screencast. Um, no, I'm actually bringing up this section right now. Roy Culkin played Willie, so he was the interpreter of the old uh, of Odin Branch. Odin Branch is dead now. Odin Branch, who was played by Charles Jones, who you might know from Baby Driver, one of my favorite movies last year, directed oh, yeah. by a future Bond twenty five director uh, Edgar Wright. I'm predicting that right now. Uh, so basically, our our guy Odin Branch, Mister Exposition, yeah, Basil Expedi- Exposition, um, <laughs> uh, he is going. He's dead. He's on. He's like behind a tree with a fucking screwdriver in his head. I'm literally rewatching this scene so, right but now. But we don't know what if it's. We don't know whether or not if. Um, <gasps> yeah, you're it right. Though. It's in his eye. So I don't know. I, I, a part of me feels like it's Molly though, because I mean she's she's the only one that would be there. I mean, I, I no, just don't know. I think it, I I I can't imagine it was her. I think it was uh, Roy Culkin. Cujo. Yeah, it gotta be Cujo. No, it, it probably is Roy Culkin. To be honest, Willie probably was like, I don't want my fucking ears burned. Step off, old man, and then like. I mean, those characters oh, to he, me. Wasn't he holding a screwdriver at one point, like or something? Remember. Well, he was no, he was holding the prod. That's what it was. Those so. characters to me were very, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like translucent. Like I couldn't make sense of them. Yeah, like uh, they were very blurry to me. I thought they were interesting. Yeah, but I feel like I need. I I, I don't feel like I ever got a good grasp on those characters. Yeah. Uh, we can talk more about that later. But so Molly saves Henry. Um, they go back to the house yeah. and. Basically, Henry finds out the first person he sees is the kid. Mm-hmm. He asks where his son is. His son comes home and his son is terrified yeah. and has slept in the church overnight. It's like, what is he doing here? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then um, basically uh, he tells his son to like chill. Yeah. Go upstairs. Go upstairs. And then he goes and then. Um, kinda, he kind of acts like a Laurie Strode in that sense. Like, go upstairs, lock the door. That's that's a, the lamest comparison I've ever. Well, heard. I only I only make it because uh, we have a spinoff series, Halloweenies, oh, a limited edition podcast that's uh, once a month. We're it's wrapping up soon. It is wrapping up soon, and uh, we're out, almost out of pumpkins. <laughs> so, but either way, he uh, he tells his uh, son Wendell, who was supposed to go to the mall and get a gift. I, I, if my grandmother gave me money to yeah, go but off to like, the mall, but I would like, be going to the I mall. I guess what's so like I, I I was really struck by that in, in episode seven, just like the way she gets rid of him because it's like so dangerous because they're like not close to anything, yeah. and she's basically like walk down there and get a cab and go to the yeah. mall. It's yeah. like, and this kid has no idea what he's doing. He's he, could, like, he has a cell phone. He probably had Lyft. I guess you're right. I, that's the thing is, kids these days like uh, they got all the technologies, and he does. And um, well, I, I, I love that scene where he's showing her the video game. I wasn't on that episode, so I got to mention it now. Yeah. Um. So, so would you play that video game? No, that's not my style. The VR games, you don't like those? No, I like I like nerdy games with wizards and shit. Five top five favorite video games of all time: Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, Earthbound, um, Fallout Three, and no Fallout New Vegas. And um, uh, my wife got me this game, um, Oxenfree. It's oh, really wow. excellent. Oxenfree? It's like an indie game. It came out like fairly recently, and it's incredible. Well, at least two of those games would be in my top ten. My, one of those games would be in my top five. I feel like a Resident Evil should be on there too. I I'm Resident Evil fan. Resident Evil one is pretty good, but two is like amazing. Two, well, yeah, two is like legit. One was more like it's kind of like how people remember Stranger Things season one. It yeah. was more for the impact than yeah. it was the actual content. I would um, put Silent Hill. Don't at me about that, please. Yeah, well, at all, at him all that you all you want, <laughs> because when we do our Resident Evil cast. <laughs> Raccoon City. Oh that's what man! We're call it. Yeah. Raccoon Welcome to Raccoon City. Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah. I would be. I would do that pod. I would actually too. That's actually not a bad idea for a podcast. Yeah, we just have to you know replay forty hour games oh, before every podcast. <laughs> um, so let's anyway. move on. So they get. So basically, there's a lot of uh, uh, moving parts here. But Henry's kid, having a great time back in Castle Rock at this point. <laughs> the kid takes 
Henry to the shed, shows him Alan Pangborn's body. Yeah. Uh, he's freaking out, and the kid wants to take him in the woods. Yeah, you get a sense now that the maybe Justo's theory is that of the kid being a good guy yeah. is right. It might be. He wants to take him into the woods for reasons we don't really know. No. And but Henry won't do it, and then the cops show up. Yeah, because Wendell. Uh, yeah, calls Wendell the cops. Um, and so that fucking little snitch. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, so, so we get a scene where Henry talks to uh, Wendell, and basically his Wendell just says like, "This is fucked up. Yeah, like something is wrong here." Well, look. First off, think of it from Wendell's point of view. Hey, why don't you come in? Go see your grandmother. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you all this, but there's this really fucking creepy convict <laughs> that also called me here, and um. You're you're the the former sheriff of countless supernatural events that that oversaw these countless supernatural events in the town is bawling your grandmother. And um, (laughs) while you're also staying here, I'm also kind of uh, in the bone zone with this person who has a psychic connection with me. Yeah. Uh, And while all this is happening, there is a burning. um, the, The woods are burning. Yeah. Uh, Juniper Hills on fire. Yeah, Juniper Hills on fire. Uh, you have multiple murders that have uh, that have uh, happened. Like the whole fucking Shawshank prison is just went up in yep. like gunfire. Yeah, but come on in. Yeah, it's a great time. We'll go to a steakhouse nearby. What the, like I mean, Wendell would I would be fucking furious, and he's rightly furious, and very rightly. Furious. I I I love the work that Chosen Jacobs is doing, and it makes me excited to see more of him in It Chapter Two. Me too, and he's shooting that right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably having the time of his life. Probably they're probably all hanging out and you know telling stories and <laughs> <laughs> like, like, hey Bill, uh, you know what was it like when you're when you're uh, on SNL? And he's like, you know, and they start. You know, it's like, pretty cool. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of anxiety about it, but, um, so, so basically, uh, then, and then in a scene that I find very compelling, he went and talked to Ruth Yeah, and tell me if I'm getting this right. Mm -hmm. Ruth insists that she killed her husband Mm -hmm. and says, get Alan. She does not know. She does not know she killed Alan Pangborn. Which is weird because, all right. So I guess when in episode seven, when we see her rest, uh, like rest her head on his chest. Yeah. I was under the assumption that she saw Alan. Yeah, I got that was under that was the assumption I had. But I guess not. I, I think not. I think her. You know, I think that's what we kind of learn here is that she believes that she actually stood up for her son in the way she f- feels like she should have when she was younger and killed her uh, husband, who was kind of a piece of shit. Which is really weird because the ending scene, what hits me most, in which like Justin brought up in the last episode is that she acknowledges and sees the chess piece when Alan answers the door in that old memory. So yeah. she knows that she's not in that current memory. So I thought that she was staying in that current memory because she knew that Alan had just died. That was, well, I, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is, I don't but know. She's still, she's telling, like in this episode, she tells Henry to find Alan. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe she's operating, like maybe she's kind of uh, uh, bifurcated herself or something. I mean, look, when she's she's got all this psychic, like, you know, blood in her. She we don't knows. understand what's going on. We don't know. She could be. She so, could be, you know, having flashbacks to her crazy mother that was, you know, locked her in the closet and all this other stuff. Uh, air horn yeah. whenever you do that mm-hmm. please add one in uh-huh. post yeah. uh, okay. so so I am I don't I'm very intrigued by that response mm-hmm. and that's the last we see of Ruth there yeah. uh, Henry's not very, the last we hear from her we'll hear from yes yeah, yeah. and then Henry is very uh, confused mm-hmm. and then he goes <laughs> so. I know and then he talks to Molly and basically um, decides to go to Lacey's house to see what was in the basement so um, 
when he well, let's go to Lacey's house for a little bit. Okay, so you want to back up? Let's 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 before we get to his visit to Lacey's yes, house. Yes, we should. Let's talk about what the fuck's going on in Lacey's. And we got to yeah, and like Jackie's visit and everything. Yeah. So we go back to our uh, to Milos. Milos. <laughs> He's not playing tennis, and he's not hiding the fact that he doesn't know how to play tennis. He's cleaning up clumsily, I might add, all the dead bodies from the people that stayed. He's like at chopping his bed them and up. Breakfast. Yeah, Which, yeah. To be honest, if you're staying at my bed and breakfast and you're not interested in my history lessons, fuck you too. You'd kill them as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd be like, you guess what? Now you're gonna become part of the exhibit. That would so be my, that would like be my line. Their, that's my their, MO, actually. Like, put their skulls out? Yeah. Um, that's They'd pretty cool. They'd be dummies. Cool. I'd actually mold them as dummies. I'd, I'd kind of take take a note from House of Wax. And I was right about to make up House of Wax yeah. <laughs> Which stars, uh, I think, um, one of my favorite... Paris Hilton. Uh, yeah, Paris Hilton's in it. And uh, who else was in uh, House of Wax? I think there was... was there oh, a- um, uh, wasn't there a Ritter in that? Was no, Jason Ritter? No, it wasn't Jason Ritter. He was in Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. Uh, let me look this up for one second. Yeah, this, this is, is very, really, very uh, important, listeners. We really got to talk about the House this. of Wax remake. I, I think and that's it, the thing. I bet I bet listeners are fucking furious right now that we're referencing House of Wax and talking about the remake yeah, yeah. and not the original. Not the original. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I love uh, Jared uh, Padalecki. Uh, he's oh, also, yeah. Yeah, he's in, uh, he was in Friday the 13th. Uh, he was the like remake. an early aughts hunk. Yeah, he's in um, Gilmore Girls, and he's in another show that's on the CW. Welcome to Paladecki Podcast. He's in Supernatural, so... Supernatural sucks. Uh, you know what doesn't suck though is uh, I believe it was uh, One Tree Hill starring Chad Michael Murray who was also in House of Wax. Why are, are we Wax. still talking about this? I forgot Chad Michael Murray was in that. I'm a huge fan. He was uh, also uh, in the Left Behind remake that they did like five years ago. That oh I yeah, reviewed. you had to review for Consequences. Yeah, I had a lot. I wrote like 2,000 words about it. Let's move on. Okay. Um, so... Who comes over to this house? Jackie comes over. We, should, we, haven't, we haven't seen her. She was putting up a sign in one episode, and that was it. I'm convinced that she is the most pointless character in the history of television. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a bold statement. Because, as you know, at the end of this episode, without her, we Things might not have a protagonist. I guess you have a good point. You know. So, let's... So basically, Jackie uh, shows up and she wants to. She's like a cab driver, and she wants to make. Yeah, a, which is really weird. Like that's the best job you can get in Castle Rock. I Give know. me a fucking break. And so, How many cow? First off, this is not a town that needs a cab. Everyone every has town a town needs a cab. Every, every everybody owns a car in this town. That's a bold statement. You're going to a small town where you're going to go get a cab. Oh yeah, hey, here, take me to Broadway. Have you ever like, considered no, that not, not everybody can town. afford a car, Mike? I it, look. If you're living in Castle Rock, there's like a middle class and there's upper class. I don't see a lot of homeless people wandering around Castle Rock. You're like, making a lot of assumptions about Castle Rock right now. I know the whole class system of Castle Rock because I built it. So let's um, move on. Yeah. Anyway, Jackie shows up. She wants to do a collab. She's like basically. <laughs> she, she's a uh, she's a uh, Kid Cudi C- collaborative she's track. Over there. It's, it's Kid uh, Ghost. Kid C Ghost. Yeah. And um, she. Wants to basically work with these people, but yeah. they're very cagey because they want to get rid of her because they have dead bodies and well, garbage bags. Look, like, let's step back for a second because if you had, if you open the door, and even if you didn't have, you know, a, two corpses that were in bags and you're busy chopping yeah. them up, wouldn't you be a little put off with like her demeanor? Or no, she's, she's like, like she a beautiful in. woman who shows up at your door. Yeah, but if you have your wife, you're with Jen. Yeah. You opened up your BTK, BTK. Yeah. Uh, you know, my BTK B&B. BTK b and <laughs> You're going to have a lot of great specials like the BTK B&B omelet. BTK. But you, you know, you're, you're sitting there. This woman comes in and pushes herself in and is like looking around and stuff. I'd be a little put off. Well, the thing is, my wife is very forceful uh, with people who she doesn't want to be around. Um, so she would probably tell her off and oh, I wouldn't have so? to worry about it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. We, we help each other in the relationship. So in this situation. Yeah. And Jen calls her out and it's like, hey, what are you doing in our living room? Get out of here. And she like, she's like, all right, hey, I'm sorry. Would you then kind of like slip out of the house and be like, I know my, my wife's crazy. Like, I'm sorry. Like, um, you know. 
Can we get a drink? I don't think no. I can discuss this on the pod, even though my wife does not listen to this listen pod. To pod. <laughs> what if she just randomly started listening to episode eight? God, I really want to catch up on this episode, this uh, series I'm not watching. So let me re- re- listen to the recap. Uh, I'm going to listen to the recap of the eighth episode. <laughs> Either um, way, Jackie is a little pushy in terms of getting into this house. But that's, that's it's like her spunkiness. It's yeah, her millennial. It's, it's her millennial spunk. Yeah, she's curious like a cat. Yeah. And so but basically she figures out something is up because they're so cagey. And then she it looks like she like lifted something. Well, she calls out the uh, the fact that he misses some details, too. Oh, yeah. Because remember, she's also a true crime. Uh, right. Oh, know. yeah. The axe thing was really funny because yeah. she's look, Jackie Torrance is supposed to be us. You know, we're, we're, we're obsessed with the history of, of Castle yeah. Rock. We wish we're nostalgic for the 80s of like the, the, you know, the peak era of King. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, very like kind of cynical and kind of, you know, tongue in cheek and funny. And just like how she changed her name to Jackie Torrance, I changed my name to John Rainbird. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Our Firestarter hero. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, God, what a fucking stupid character. But anyway, <laughs> so she calls out uh, Milosh's um, uh, crime scene. Yeah. And she says that uh, he's got some details wrong. Yeah. She brings up the axe incident that uh, inspired the mannequin with an axe on its head on the couch. Yeah. From 1929. It was mm-hmm. a guy named uh, Johnny got killed because it's something to do with um, money. And he got an axe in the back of the head. But he was killed with a fire axe and not a, uh, a felling axe, which is what oh. they... Um, which is what they had used. Yes, yeah. So they're like, ha, ha, ha. And then- Get out uh, of our house. <laughs> yeah, get out. And then she like had a bracelet or something that had blood on it. I don't know if she lifted it or if she found it on the ground. I can't remember. But she sees blood on it. She knows something's up. She sees the garbage bags in the back of the car. And they're like creepily staring at her throughout the window. Yes. And uh, so it's, yeah. So, you know. So she bails. She bails. Yeah. Henry shows up later. Mm-hmm. It's dark out. He- Well, before this- What? He sends Wendell on a bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we're going to get to that later. Yeah. Well, he's like, get out of here. Yeah. So Wendell leaves and he wants his dad to come with him. Mm -hmm. He says he can't. So but we're going to talk more about the bus later uh, because we got some some good Dominion shit. Yeah. And so. KD. Yes. And not Kevin Durant. (laughs) God damn it. I know. Come on. We got to talk about ball sometimes. So. Uh, so basically Henry shows up at the house, he starts exploring, he finds all of the paintings and he's freaking the hell out. Mm-hmm. Gordon finds him, Milos, Milos finds Milos him. Milos finds him. And, uh, basically it gets really tense. Mm-hmm. And then the wife comes at him with a knife. And, and there's where it a becomes big struggle. like Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story. A very American Horror Story yeah. here. Uh, I have more thoughts on that later, but so there's a struggle. Wife ends up getting stabbed. So does Henry. Henry gets stabbed as well. Which is crazy. Not seriously, but no. she d- bleeds out in the ground. And then in a sequence that I found really freaky, like um, Gordon chases Henry out of the house. Yeah. Uh, they get into a huge fight. Jackie axes him in the head in the same way that in the house there was mm-hmm. an axe in the head yeah. of a mannequin. Yeah. Foreshadowing. He's dead. She helps him. And she says something similar to what Gordon did earlier about not feeling in control. Yeah. She says, I wrote down the line. She says, I wasn't myself anymore. You yes, know? which is really weird. But she kind of looks over because when the cops are talking to Jackie, she kind of looks mm-hmm. over to Henry, who's in a daze because he's probably like, what the fuck happened to my life in the last three days? Uh, she's just like, come on, help me out. Like, you know, yeah. like I just saved your life. By all accounts, you would be absolutely fucked yeah. in this position. Yeah. Because he not only trespassed, but then he has blood all over his, mm-hmm. his own blood, which is all over the house. Yeah. Like what would be what would be his excuse? Oh, hey, I was actually looking through the basement because I'm worried that this my my client um, is a supernatural force <laughs> that's responsible for everything else that's going on. This well, town. earlier we had, when uh, we see that 
tense conversation between the cop and yeah. uh so Henry. he'd be really fucked and she's already like and she harasses him basically and is like you know way to let this guy out yeah. because they're blaming him for the fire at juniper hill that killed 14 people yeah yeah so, so there's a lot of weirdness that's like there, there's a lot of like sort of spotlight on henry right now of like yeah which is kind of creepy for him. Like, well, yeah, she calls him a lightning rod. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's like, what's your badge number? I know, I love that. I and love that. She just holds it up. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so we have that happening. Elsewhere, uh, the kid is waiting for Molly at her house. Yeah. And she's freaked out. At her childhood home. Childhood home. Yeah. And he, she's freaked out. And they have, he's like, basically, I know everything about you. Mm-hmm. And he, he starts to recite all these memories from her life. and And then chillingly at the very end of the episode he tells her that she died in the woods which is such a mind-blowing cliffhanger yeah i have no idea what to make of that he goes out there in the woods that's where you died and uh that's how we end and he knows all these things about her life so i think we have more to say on that probably when we get to room 237 i I think so uh we'll get there but so that's sort of the bones of the episode that's the bones we got through it yeah um any other thoughts before we move on I just got to say, I am so glad I don't live in Castle Rock. Oh, boy. No, seriously. Could you imagine all this is going on? I don't know. I find that a small town charm. Yeah. Well, it's very quaint. wake up every morning and have pancakes and just read the, read the news and the headlines and be like, what a fucked up town. It's kind of like uh, living in tr- under Trump, huh? Yeah. God, let me tell you, Trump's America is just a nightmare. Speaking of shining moments. Let's go to shining moments. Yeah. I can remember when I was a little boy. My grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shiny. And for a long time, I thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. I liked a lot of stuff in this episode. I did too. I don't know if I could really particularly pull out one. I mean, I would say the most stirring moment emotionally for me was the kid and Molly at the end. Yes. Because the way that he was reciting and kind of leading her through all these memories about like her parents letting her stay up too late to watch movies. It was all such simple stuff. It's kind of like in the last episode, the way that uh, Henry and his mom's game, the idea like I'm smaller than a teacup. uh, That really resonated with me like emotionally because it felt so lived in. It felt like a real game that people would play um, and just the specificity of it. And it makes me think that maybe Sam Shaw played a similar game when he was young. Like the details that the kid was bringing out and talking about Molly, they felt like very real things. I agree. And so like when he said, talked about her painting her nails with whiteout like that, because I yeah. used to do that. Oh, you really? And um, oh yeah, I was a weirdo. Weird. Listening to the Get Up Kids, and you're just like painting. Your I nails. literally had dyed black hair, an eyebrow ring. Listening to the Get Up Kids, painting my nails with whiteout. Well, that's uh, interesting. But, that, uh, have we lost all the listeners now? We have, we've lost all the listeners. It's <laughs> just like, well, we're gonna get like a million negative reviews on like <laughs> iTunes. There's this emo asshole yeah, hosting like, it. Oh, the, the, you know. The, the the losers uh, the emo, emo clubhouse. The lo- losers aren't lying. Yeah, the, the name are, is real. The real losers. We'll have like the real, like in a real Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, it could be um, the second iteration of the pod. So <laughs> so yeah, that was probably the most stirring moment for me in terms of um, I don't know terms that, things that I found really interesting and uh, really emotional. And I I think that the acting was really solid yeah. there. I mean I like that we're getting to see Bill Skarsgård do more and more. Yeah. Um. I I still I have some thoughts later about the amount to which he's talking now. Um, but yeah, yeah, that is a yeah, good, good point. but 
He's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Well, I got uh, one thing. Okay, yeah. I, I'd say the cold open. I thought this was actually one of the most entertaining cold opens that we've seen all season. Agreed. Uh, I was on board the entire time. Yeah. Uh, very, like, all the way up to the ending. I just thought it was just the momentum yeah. was just really well done. Uh, I love a lot of the shot selections, like the pie and mm-hmm. everything else. So I, I just, there was, I thought there was just, that for me was the strongest part of the episode. Yep. Uh, but all, I mean, obviously with the revelations that we get in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very for me, that cold open I thought was incredible. Yeah. It really, really felt like a King property. Yeah. Like and it's so yeah. necessary after everything that we just went through. I think how so. How the yeah. fuck are you supposed to follow up that episode? Like, I mean, that's just, it was right. It was, it was a nice change of pace. Even if it was jarring at first, it was a nice change of pace. And I don't know. I, I, I have, I have mixed thoughts on this, but I will say that I did like to, see sort of an outside like this these outsiders come in and try to sort of adopt the town in that way i have more thoughts on that but i did like the convention Mm -hmm. and sort of the um archetype of the whole thing the characters themselves i found very interesting the actors were great um and just the whole concept of like a be a true crime bnb is is not only funny but also probably something that exists out there (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean and i would stay there i would stay there so any other shining moments i'm good let's talk about scary stuff let's go to the cemetery. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. Well, wow, who's out about there? It's Judd. No. <laughs> it's John Lithgow. God damn um, it. But no, so, uh, anyway, uh, there were some very spooky moments in this. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, even just the first thing, I guess there's something, I'm trying to remember the exact uh, reference that I'm thinking of, but just like the um, this whole idea of, of oh, oh, Twin Peaks, I mean, Lost Highway. Yes. I thought of Lost Highway with uh, Gordon sitting over the bodies um, when she walks in and he's bloody standing over the bodies holding a knife. Yes. We see those shots in sort of the on the videotape in Mm -hmm. Lost Highway of Bill Pullman like bloody and over the dead body holding a knife. That wasn't me. I know. And that's that whole idea that like that wasn't me. Like that wasn't me. That's so spooky to me. Oh, it's like nightmare logic. It's like when you it's like you have a nightmare and you wake up and you're like, fuck. It wasn't reality. Like yeah. I would not like. And when you were in that nightmare, you're like, I'm. Why would I be doing this? Like I'm not going to do this. Like I. Yeah. I. Why don't I have more agency over this situation? And then you wake up and you're just so relieved. But what Lynch does is like he makes it is like no, that would be you waking up into that reality, which yep. is like fucking terrifying. And yep. I think that's kind of like the thing what happens to Malosh is like he Malosh. I'm just gonna keep calling him. <laughs> You're not only using like the wrong name, you're saying it wrong. Saying, well, whatever. You know, that's just the charm of this I'm, podcast. I know, I'm but, I'm good with it. Yeah. But I, I would say um for me that 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 feeling of just that realization and of knowing what happened um is very terrifying. And yeah. that whole sequence was very well shot too, because you don't see it. Right. And I love when you don't see it. And right. you just you get that that fe- like you get to see the point of view of his wife, mm-hmm. uh Lauren. Yeah. Um and uh <laughs> what's whatever. <laughs> Gonna go with that. <laughs> Uh, for, for me, I think the, the creepiest part of this episode, though, was the music that they had at the end. Yeah. Where it just starts becoming almost like this, like, massive attack, sort of like... Yeah, and it, I like, love that. And you see, like, some really creepy shots, but specifically with what's going on with Skarsgård. Because at this point, he's starting to lean into this territory of, like, the John Coffey thing where I'm, like, I'm not scared of him as much anymore. And I'm actually more, like, 
I'm actually kind of more reassured right. when I see him, right. which is an interesting transition. It is. Uh, especially after, there's just something about that that sh- that sort of discussion between him and Henry in the beginning where he almost seems like uh, my favorite character from Pet Cemetery, Pascal. He reminds me of Pascal at this he point. He's not your favorite character. He's my favorite character in, in he Pet sucks. Cemetery. He's my favorite character in not only the book, but also in the movie because he provides the comedic relief that, that I That is psychotic and you're saying that to rile me up. No, I'm not saying it to rile you up. I'm just saying because he's an iconic part of the poster. <laughs> but no, while watching this, it did remind me of that because he's just kind of wandering around. He's like, here, follow me. And then, you know, he just well, like wanders. This, but there's know. this, once they get into the shed, there is an urgency where he's like, we need to go into the woods. Yes. And that feels earnest and it feels good intentioned. Yes. And that's why I feel like he's actually maybe a good guy. Maybe. You know, he's the hero that this town needs now that Alan is gone. Even though but, he seeds chaos and destruction everywhere he goes. Yeah. That's not his fault. Um, Or maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it, it really is. Maybe in his head he's just like, fuck this town. <laughs> um, but, but no, no I, 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 the whole idea of like a force taking you over because like he does the the way that uh the actor conveys conveys it when he's over the bodies is this sense of disorientation and confusion yeah. uh coupled but then the the visual is so gruesome because you've got these yeah. two naked bodies covered in blood the sheets mm-hmm. are all fucked up and i i watched the episode twice and i was kind of really looking at just the set design and it's it's really elaborate and really interesting it's very in like hannibal almost yeah i mean it was really cool i thought it was it's i thought it was a great kind of uh cap to the to the uh sort of mini short story that we got in the beginning there. But then also later on, um, Gordon really freaked me out. Just the way that it was shot with Henry jumping into the car. Mm-hmm. And I think so often, you know, when you get into the car, you're safe, right? Yeah, no. Cause you can lock the door, the windows rolled up, but I kind of love that the window is down and like, he doesn't have time to roll it no. up. And Gordon's knife just flies right in like to the, the yeah. cab and it's, it's shot so close. Yeah. Like the camera's right on them yeah. and there's this sort of maniacal aspect to it. And just, you know what I feel like we don't get a lot in horror uh, that I always love are just sort of the, the unvarnished shots of like a killer running at you yes. with a knife. And that's always really spooky. Which to is me. why I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because you or, see just like a wide shot of him in the background, her in you know, the foreground. And it's just, there's, there's no mystery to it. Right. Like he is coming. Right. There's no like there's no weird distance that they do sometimes where he's right. kind of close. Then he's back. Then he's close. No, it's this is it. Like, A little foreshadowing for our it episodes. I always say that the the 90 version of it has one of my like it's it's a really indelible shot. And I I think the second half pretty much sucks yeah, of I the agree. miniseries. But the when Beverly goes to the house where she grew up and the old mm-hmm. woman's there and she slowly kind of rots. Um there is a shot after she fully turns into the monster and where it's just a shot of the full room mm-hmm. and you see the woman just like yes. chasing Beverly through the room. Yeah. It is one of the creepiest shots because of just how unvarnished it is and how yeah. there's no like bullshit, like technical bullshit going yeah. on. It's just this wide shot and you see the monster chasing her in a small room. And yeah. that to me is like so spooky. Well, it's kind of like the Michael Myers thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is what this show has been doing really well at, especially with the kid. So to have that, to make Gordon, who's kind of like a comedic, character yeah and i'm talking about Milush. and uh like when he Mil- Milush, to have him actually be like frightening at the end yeah is really good <laughs> just like directing at yeah. that point because it's not really like because he's kind of a cartoon character in the beginning i know and that's what yeah. i i kind of love that they really that actor can navigate that yeah. really well and he does come across as genuinely threatening yeah. in the end and that fight that they have on the ground is really intense yeah. like it's it's really well done and i knew something was going to happen so it gets a little cheesy with um you know the axe hitting him and him you know doing yeah. you know so i will say i will say another thing that was really creepy were the paintings 
They remind me of... Uh, I have that in my notes, too. Uh, do you remember Black Swan? Darren Aronofsky. Yes, I remember well, Black Swan. I'm just, you know, making you sure. You mean the Oscar-winning Black Swan? The Oscar-winning Black Swan. Uh, I, I'm sure Justin would have given it like a six out of ten, like he does with <laughs> all of fucking Aronofsky's movies. Anyway, his follow-up to the Wrestler, which is not a six out of ten, Justin. It's a nine out of ten. I'm I agree. Ten out of ten. I, I, I give fucking it a nine love out of ten. You get nine out of ten. I adore the Wrestler. I love that. But movie. I'm, I'm not as I'm not as uh, willy nilly with my tens like you. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I. You know what? And that's why punishing you with five noser, preemptive five noser is a gen, because you actually like give a shit about ratings. I do give a shit about ratings. Like, but like Justo though, if I had to give him a preemptive five noser, that would be sweet, sweet justice. Oh yeah. Because it would drive him crazy. Justice for Justin. Justo. Justice for Justo. Let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, I, so yeah, I thought the paintings were great and creepy and there were some that were kind of nice, but then there's some just with the eye. It reminded me of that scene in uh, Black Swan where... Uh, Natalie Portman, uh, star of uh, The Professional, Leon The Professional, and, and Heat, uh, when she runs through the hallway and you see the moving paintings, and they're really, that's like, for me, that's like the most terrifying scene. I know, I love that sequence. Um, and it, the way that these are painted, especially those eyes, remind me of that, like, sort of like, it just seems as if they keep moving, even yeah. though they're not. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, there, there, there was a, such a sense of dread that came from having them everywhere across the house. And I just thought that was such a cool touch, especially with. We've talked about set direction and set design in this series, and it's so on point. And this episode, particularly, is just like really important for mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, I mean, I think it does a lot of the legwork for sure. Yeah, even, those even were... the empty house with with Molly at the end is haunting. There's yeah. something about the stairway yeah. being right there, and then him sitting there. It's just really uh, it's jarring. To me. Well, I mean, and that's sort of the the real. I can totally see why they cast Bill Skarsgård. I mean, having somebody that tall and that imposing mm-hmm. and that stark. Just yeah. you know, he's there is something genuine. And I remember when he was in. Um, that shitty Eli Roth werewolf show, uh, the Netflix original one. I can't remember what it was called, but Hemlock, Hemlock Road. Oh, Hemlock Road. Awful show. But I tried watching it because I actually, I I looked at the lead guy and I think, yeah. And like, and it is Bill, right? It is him. And he, um, like, I was like, that dude looks so fucking striking and interesting. Well, he does this thing also and like something that, uh, that was noticeable in this rewatch is he does this thing with like uh, his shoulders yeah. and his like one arm where he just kind of like, yeah. like pivots a little bit. And I don't know. It just, he, he's very self-aware of his size. Yeah. And that's something that's really cool. Like yeah. I, I almost wish that he would just play Michael Myers in like future. Uh, he's so movies. thin though. Yeah. Doesn't Michael Myers need to be kind of a big beefy boy? I guess he does. Yeah. Maybe maybe like Michael Myers like, 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 is, on, is like anorexic or something. If, uh, if Bill Skarsgård's chasing you, you just gotta like kick him or something. I'd probably make out with him. Um, I, I would too. He's, yeah, he's kind of a good looking guy. He's a, he's a hunk. No, I'm surprised I that Henry Deaver hasn't. I genuinely that. get horny um, when I watch Castle Rock. Um, what do you like? Pause it. Like yeah. when he's doing that dead stare. Yeah. yeah you're like, oh God, Bill, you're and so And then hot. Jen comes home and I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> <Hit> play. <laughs> She's like, Scars Guard again. It's like, yeah. Uh, any, like, other spooky, uh, any other spooky stuff or should we leave the cemetery? Let's leave the cemetery. I'm out of here. And uh, you know, Judd's annoying me. Uh, <laughs> Let's leave the cemetery and let's go to uh, Annie Wilkes' house in a little section we like to call Misery. She she died. She just slipped away. Slipped away? Slipped away? She didn't just slip away. You did it. 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 You murdered my misery. Annie. 
have a feeling you have a lot in this one. Why do you say that? Because you've kind of been teasing at little things about I have, this episode. But I did like the episode. I do want to say I know, that. yeah, me too. There but are I some think, things I have also. I think that where my misery comes is is just sort of where, where we're at with the series with mm-hmm. only a couple episodes left. Yeah. We have, there's 10 episodes total. Mm-hmm. We're on episode eight. And I guess I just feel like at this point, I feel like maybe this, the, the season has been structured a little haphazardly. Mm-hmm. I think that the first, five ep- first four or five episodes were structured. Um, it was very slow. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like we were teased with a lot of things. And it, it took a while for certain things to unfold. And now that I feel like we're in the last five, I feel like we're just getting like bombarded with a lot of information mm-hmm. and we're also getting all this really deep character work that is awesome, yeah. but is at the same time, I feel like distracting from the main narrative. Yeah. No. I love the queen, but mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily feel like I had a greater understanding of the story from like, watching it. I had a greater understanding of Ruth yeah. and the relationships, but I'm still lost on what's happening to Castle Rock. Yeah, I think that, and that's kind of like where I was at with this is that this does feel like it. This there's a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. The fact that it starts with this cold open kind of sets this in motion that this is going to be almost like another side bottle thing, mm-hmm. you know, because you have these new characters and obviously they're tied to Lacey's house. So it is still tied to the overall narrative. But there's this like insinuation again, and I'm sorry to reuse that word again, but over and over, but it does feel like that this is another sort of left field sort of like, like going off the beaten path a little bit and following these characters, which I don't really necessarily think you do in episode eight. Right. That's especially after a bottle episode that you just had with Ruth. Yep. And I still think they save face a lot in this episode because they are managed. They managed to tie it to Lacey, but at the same, and Henry, but at the same time, it just seems so like well, what after we, the fact. What, what did we, we learn? really learn? Yeah, nothing. Like, okay, so he painted the kid. Yeah. And it apparently has some evil influence. Yeah. But which, what did Henry learn from going there? Nothing. Nothing. And we just, and that's, I think, where like, I'm he struggling. Didn't even so, he, like, there was this hint that he could have possibly been held there as a kidnap. Yeah. Because he still doesn't really know, per se, where he was at. Right. And so I think for me, I. I guess I after I watched this episode, I went and looked how many were left because yep. I'm like, I know. And I was like, I thought there might be 13 or something. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten how many of there, there were going to be. Yeah. And I should know this because our schedule is dependent on it. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> I, gonna say. but I like looked and I was like, because I, I, I guess I was thinking, OK, they're doing all this deep character work now mm-hmm. and they're broadening the world. Yeah. And, and I like that, but not necessarily when it's at expense of the story or at least give us enough time. Like, you know, everybody is basically like less episodes are better these days. And yeah. I agree with that usually. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I feel like two more might have been good because be. I feel like I just I feel like there's no room to breathe mm-hmm. in terms of story, like yeah. where we're going. And. I feel like there's so many questions we still need to know and so many relationships that still need to be defined and so many questions that have been raised that we still haven't gotten answers to. Which kind of goes back to my initial sort of hesitations and anxieties about Bad Robot being involved because they just love doing this. They do it with literally every brand that they attach themselves to. They did it with Star Trek. They did it with lost obviously i mean yeah. that kind of set the motion in that wait what do you mean when you say they're doing it they're doing these things where they keep throwing questions with yeah them, yeah and then they keep westworld the answer, <laughs> in westworld it's a lot like that jesus christ but i can't even watch that show anymore. like reddit the show um but i i don't know like i, I agree with you in that because I, I i am worried that things might not be wrapped up but at the same time i feel like the core stories 
And this is before, right? So before the major revelation that we get at the end, yeah. which totally threw a wrench into things for me, I felt that, okay, well, all he has to do is just go with the kid somewhere and we'll find out what's going on there. But now you have like, so Wendell's in a different town. You have the, you have Molly that has just found out that she's maybe dead. Maybe dead. You have <laughs> the kid still needs to go in the woods with, uh, with, with with henry uh alan pangborn is dead alan pangborn uh, is dead. ruth, ruth doesn't is, think she killed him doesn't i mean there's so much going yeah. on and jackie still isn't doing anything <laughs> she did something she she, she axed she axed the guy in the head yeah. but it's still what impact is that i want to know like she she helped solve a minor plot line of an episode that is mostly unconnected to the main story yeah you know what i mean like what what were the blind guy or the deaf guy and Rory Culkin? What are they do? Like who are well, they? Well, they set up the the idea of what is actually happening within this town, which is the you know the cheesema or yeah, the, but like the I don't know, I, that's too abstract. Like I need I I'm I, I don't I, have ground. I have a I it. like all right. So or we have two episodes left, right? Yeah. My fear is that this next episode is going to be like be like beat around the bush again. Yeah. And then it's going to leave all the weight for episode 10 for this like huge season finale. Yeah. Where you're going to have to just have left le- things left and right boom, being boom, answered. Boom, boom, boom. Unless, unless the idea is that there are bigger things that they're introducing in this season that not necessarily have to just be answered with specifically with this story, but could be answered with other anthology stories. Like maybe the sound of the universe could be something that is just something that ties a lot of the things that's happening yeah, together. That could be cool. But you know what we learn in this episode, and I, and I, again, this is still into misery. I feel because I am very frustrated by it. So we learn that like Henry and the kid are intertwined somehow. Yeah, because he was captured around the same time that. Uh, Henry went missing. Yep. Yep. And then the kid was seeking out Henry because he'd been waiting 27 years, Pennywise, uh, for for Henry to answer his call. Yeah. Not uh, Paul Feig's Ghostbusters. So I would, <laughs> there's weird ties that are all happening here that they can conceivably say that it is wrapping up. But to your point, I do still feel like the roads are just like fucking splintered everywhere still. And I'm yeah, just, and I just yeah. and and also, I mean, you bring in this really intriguing couple, which you brought them in in episode four. Then you waited four episodes to bring them back, and then you kill them in the same episode. And I was bummed by that because I thought they were really interesting characters. And if you wanted to do sort of a one-off thing, it did help build the world. I'll give it that. But that should have happened in episode four. You know what I mean? It's just, I really liked it overall. And I liked the characters in the story and the archetypes, but it felt out of place this deep into the season. Well, I feel like maybe it's not so much. What is it answer right now? Yeah. But what does it propel? So there's a lot of like really like anxious storytelling that's happening right now yeah. specifically for Henry. So by the end of this episode, it seems like things are kind of resolved with what's going on with Henry in terms of like what happened with this incident. But really he leaves the scene of the crime. Yeah. So he's, he can, because he has to go to his mother. It is still not confirmed and clear. Like he's absolutely still a suspect at what's right. happened in this fucking situation, right. which kind of calls back to what happened with that the 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 cop from the early on that yeah. was basically you're a lightning rod for all these yeah. things. So I do think that it is leading to something where Henry is going to be almost like the suspect of some sorts like, that are going sure. into this. And again, this is more King's Dominion and, and two, Room Two Thirty Seven theories, but not really because I think we are just talking strictly about narrative, not so much of like yeah, it's more just that but, and. Uh, 
parts of the narrative do feel sloppy. Like the yeah. idea, like the the fact that we don't really understand Henry's like the uh, the level of culpability that people feel that he has in all of this yeah. when obviously that cop was not wrong no. in saying you're a lightning rod and him just being able to walk away and getting phone calls at certain moments. And like, literally he comes home and the kid is there and he goes, where's my son? And then his son walks through the door. Yeah. It's just like the, the, and then um, even just the way that the kid was like, we need to go to the woods. We need mm-hmm. to go to the woods. And like, it's like earlier in the season, I remember I complained a little when, you know, Henry is like saying to his mom, what happened when I was gone? What happened when I was gone? And we don't get a clear answer. And it's that narrative kind of the the tricky parts of writing narrative, which is like how if you have a question that one character can answer and another person needs it, you have to keep them apart yeah. or you have to find a way that mm-hmm. is organic. You can't just say not now. Like I, I think about like him saying we need to go to the woods and then Molly brings up Henry to the kid and he goes, I don't think he's ready yet. What does that mean? I know. I don't think he's ready yet. Well, and this is all bad robot type stuff. Yeah. And it's is not Stephen King. Because yeah. by this point, let's say this is, what, 75%, 80% into the novel? Yeah. You know everything that's going to happen in this yeah. story. Or not everything well, that's going to Well, you don't know happen, everything that's going to happen, but... But the, you have an idea of where everything is and what's going on. It's like, like all... It's like basically the dominoes have all been placed, yes. and now they're all about to fall down. Yeah. And that's always the th- such a thrilling part of reading King, yes. is like when you get to that moment, it's yeah. like... Like, that's why I love the ensemble ones, because you watch him sort of build this entire, mm-hmm. like, construct. Like, when I think about Salem's Lot, or... Uh, under or even the dome, Under the Dome, yeah. Yeah, Under the Dome, like... All the things have been placed yeah. and now it's time to watch all the dominoes fall. And that's so thrilling. And my, yeah. literally my favorite part about King here, I don't feel like all the dominoes are up I don't, yet. No. And I think it doesn't mean that the show's not great. It's just like, I feel like the storytelling does feel compacted and a little inelegant. And I wish that I wish that they maybe just had 12 episodes or maybe had just kind of paced out the first four or five a little bit tighter. Yeah. So then we had maybe a little more space. I mean, they let, they let those few, first few episodes breathe big time. Yeah, which and was cool. F- which is great. Yeah. If, if you could allow, if you are being economical about the, the time and space. So I would say, yeah, that is my biggest... And my that's why I get annoyed at Jackie because I feel like she shows up and doesn't do anything. And I'm just kind of like, you're 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 eating the breathing space. Like well, you're eating like what we need for actual narrative to unfold. Yes. And I and I and I think that you could possibly make the case that she is the one character or the one facet of this series that plays into the idea that this is all about Stephen King references. <sighs> well, I don't need that. I don't either, but I'm saying that you could make that argument. Like she's the reference to. I mean, I still think it's ridiculous that it's like the the niece of Jack and yeah. all this. I mean, it's ridiculous, but like I buy it. But then for her, you double down on it, and she's obsessed. She's literally the beacon for all pop culture references yeah. with with within the show, which I didn't mind either. And I still think that she has some sort of purpose. I just I'm interested to see what happens in nine and ten with her. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that uh, those are my thoughts in general and something I've just been kind of marinating on, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not down, down to clown and uh, I'm very excited for the next two episodes and I hope we get a Pennywise. What if you stopped right now? I hope Pennywise shows up. What if I just stopped and refused to come on? I'm like, I, I, you know what? This isn't doing it for me. Next week, like I come on the pod and you're like, so what'd you think? And I'm like, "Eh, I didn't watch it. Like I started, (laughs) I started, I started streaming Elf. (laughs) I decided to rewatch Friday Night Lights. Um, uh, pull a Mike Rothman. Yeah, you know what? I love rewatching uh, random shows all the time. I know you do. I should be on the rewatchables uh, on the ringer. But all right. anyway, uh, um, any other thoughts? You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Let's talk about the Dominion. Yeah, the King's Dominion. There are a lot. In this movie. There's another world out there. I know there is. 
All right. Well, we've got one big one. Yeah. And I've got one that might even be bigger. Oh, really? That I did not tell you. I kept it a secret. Wow, you kept it a secret. Well, this I- is an intense Dominion reference. Well, Are you ready? Oh, you're going to go first? Yeah. If yours is a huge whopper, we should save yours for I got it. You got to get it's, out? It's aching to get, get out, it out of me. Henry, you're a fucking lightning rod. The dead zone, there is a lightning rod salesman. Oh, my God. That is a cool one. I didn't even think about it that. It actually isn't cool at all. It's really stupid. No, but that And is... I was just kidding about it. Are you really kidding about this? Well, no. I mean, I, I did make a connection. It's just a really stupid one. Okay. Well, that seems... But you seemed really impressed by it. I think it. that is impressive. I forgot about the lightning rod, and that was a really crucial part of that book. I mean, yeah. I mean, I always remember... I will just say, Detour, Dead Zone, I always... Let's re- not spoil anything. I, well, but... it's not a spoiler. Okay. It's just like, oh, I won't spoil the big thing. Yeah. I'll just always remember that I was so confused when I was a kid reading The mm-hmm. Dead Zone. Yeah. Because there was this chapter where a guy goes in and tries to sell a lightning yeah. rod to a bar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, new characters. Yeah. And I thought like we were going <laughs> to see this character again. Never see him again. And yeah. I remember as I was reading the book, I was like, where is that fucking lightning rod salesman? I was getting so mad. I'm like, why did you just bring him in? And then, of course, it makes sense like later. But uh, but anyways, I so I've always remembered yeah. the lightning rod salesman. So, so when I heard this. that, it just made me laugh because um, because and I bet that I bet it was on their mind. too. Yeah, like I'm when sure. they did it. Um, well, I'm glad that we saved that for first uh, <laughs> because there is a really big one that I, that was actually pointed out to me. And it's when Wendell yeah. Gets off the bus because he's he's having some uh, some hearing issues, and by hearing issues, I mean he's hearing the shizma. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the sound. The, so he's actually you know like father like son, and he gets off the bus after a crow uh, fucking rams into the front or whatever, um, which I guess seems to be happening from the sound of the universe. Yeah, and that's well, the crows are also a reference to the dark half. Oh yes, yeah, the that crows is, that are is a, a huge yeah. part of the dark half, and so which also takes place in Castle Rock. Yes, so I feel like that's their way of kind of incorporating the crows, and yeah. maybe I haven't read Dark Half in years, so do you think I, Brandon Lee's going to pop up at the end of this uh, this series? Uh, I think maybe Sting in his uh, crow getup from WCW. He just comes down, <laughs> repels down. Yeah, he's got, but it's like the it's like what is it the, the Sting when he has like all the different colors on his face yep. and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Wendell gets off the bus because he's like, hey. I need to go back. So they, oh yeah. So he wanted to go back yeah. and the, and then because where does he, he, gets, he gets off. If you look at the sign and I didn't, and I yeah. did not know this. this is fucking crazy. He gets off in Jerusalem's lot, which but, means, which, Hey, they teased that in the, the original teaser for castle rock. They had Salem's lot. Yeah. So we've been wondering how is it going to tie in to Salem's lot, which means that right now, Wendell who walks away from the bus and he walks past a sign that says 34 miles to castle rock. I don't know how he's going to walk that. <laughs> Maybe he'll hitchhike, but he is in Jerusalem's lot, which it's looking around. It looks like a a, a newer bus stop, yeah. some cool wooden paneling, and there seems to be a neighborhood that he's walking through where there are lights. So maybe it's gentrified, been gentrified. Maybe there's like a cool uh, Starbucks or um, you know, uh, Starbucks. Maybe there's like a Noodles and Company that he could go to at uh, Jerusalem's lot and hang out there for a little bit. Or what if the whole Wi-Fi. what if the whole next episode is um, is just uh, Wendell fighting vampires? I would love it. <laughs> Because they need to add more to the story right now. What if he stops by and he's just like, what is this place? And this old man comes out and he's like, Salem's Lot. (laughs) (laughs) But doesn't give anything about... Or it's like... Literally just names the town where all the signs are everywhere. It's like old Mark Petrie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Not even Not even like... It's like... It's like... um, Or no, Ben Mears would be dead. Yeah, Ben Mears is dead. I hope he's dead. He's the worst character. He was the worst character. It fucking sucks. But I'm actually rewatching like this now to make the to see if I can. See it, that. You see, it's right at the bus stop. So 
I would have to imagine there are still vampires there. I mean, they, you know, spoiler alert. But I don't know. The bus stop doesn't look that new rewatching it. Yeah. So, so it could be that he's walking through some dire- decrepit town. Yeah. It is. Uh, I mean, it's definitely Jerusalem. It just. Uh, Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says it on the bus. That's crazy. Bus station. I mean, um, it, it's kind of, well, it is. It is. It looks like a well-maintained bus stop. Right. But it's it's it, it's very old timey. So, but it's a very spooky looking town. And well, uh, I, I hope there's like a scene in one of the other episodes. And he's like, oh, man, I'm getting tired. What's that house up there? <laughs> maybe maybe they'll let me have a, have a nap. Yeah, maybe have a nap. I'll hang upside down. Um, <laughs> if we don't see the Marston house but before this end of the season, failure. That's a, that, no, absolutely failure not. Failure of a season. No, that's like, I, all I want is Pennywise the Clown to show up. <laughs> What if the kid turns around and is just like, it's me. And then they're like, it, chapter two, coming yeah. in November 2019. <laughs> it's just been a trailer <laughs> from Warner Brothers. It's like, and then, and then they have a, they have a, um, they have an interview, you know, yeah, at the end. The with last the dra- episode the is an interview with Andy with, Muschietti. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're, we're out there in, uh, in Derry, Maine, bringing the magic back two years later. But it's not two years later for our characters. It's actually 27 years later. The thing later. is, though, like, that's something I feel like could have happened in the 90s. Oh, easily. Like, that kind of shit easily. was so well, pervasive. I, I just hope that it's like the thriller ending yeah. where, like, they walk away and it's just like, God, you know, this has been a crazy experience. And then the kid's just like, I know. And then he turns around and it's Pennywise's face. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pauses <laughs> and then there's the <laughs> laughter. Yeah, that, like, the laughter. Yeah. Um, but, oh, that's amazing. Any uh, other that's a room 237. No, the, well, I mean, I thought that there were a bunch in here, but maybe not. So No, I mean, I like when Jackie was talking, when they were talking about the true crime stuff, I was Googling some of it to see yeah. I, like if, if any of it ringed like you know had connections to king but i, mean, I, I couldn't she uses find any. an axe just like her uncle yeah i mean i guess there's that but i don't know the she jackie said, the jackie stuff is so pandering that i just kind of ignore it yeah well like i feel like when when annoying people on my twitter timeline talk about why castle rock is actually bad um and all they say is like oh it's like a scavenger hunt for king references which i completely disagree with i only agree with it in the sense that it's in reference to her character <laughs> But like otherwise, I think that that's really that's not a I think that's a very reactionary uh, response to the show that doesn't really from I people agree. who from people who aren't watching it closely. Well, they mentioned one name uh, to Henry, uh, the cop does in the early in the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. And I it didn't ring a bell with no, me. But no. if listeners, uh, please correct us. Yeah, <laughs> this is why this is why we love you. Let's step into room 237. I think that's where uh, Wendell is going to stop to have a nap <laughs> within the Marston house. Now room 237's in the Marston house. Oh, so it moved over? Yep. Okay, because in the book, uh, the Overlook is destroyed. It's not. Wait. The Overlook yes, is destroyed it, in the book. Yeah, you're right. So, so it moves So the to room the 237 house. dissolves and then appears You have the melted house. my mind with this whole, is Theory. Dr. Sleep a, a sequel to the movie or because to the it's book? true. What about room 237? Room 237? You're in room 237, ain't you? No, I ain't. Mr. Allen, what is in room 237? All right. Uh, anyway, so we're in room 237 right now. I got a few theories. Do you got some? Why don't you start? All right, fine. Aside from my uh, one that I'm going to reserve for a little bit uh, after the, the podcast, and so I can be free from... Uh, yeah, because I'll just air horn the shit out of you. Yeah, well, it's a good theory, and I'm going to be proven right by episode 10. Going to politely disagree. All right, well, I think that the kid is absolutely john like a john coffee type character instead of bringing like goodwill he's been cursed with this sort of like this awful pheromones that just like cause chaos and mm-hmm. curses the town and whatnot 
And I think that he is going to be the good guy yeah. at the, by the end of this, which seems to be something that's so bad robot. Like, you know, where they would love to have that sort of twist at the end being like, this kid's not that creepy. Yeah. You know, he's actually going to be the one that's going to save everything. Right. Um, and I, and I, the, the only thing that I, I can't, the only thing, what really makes me think that is what he says to Molly. Yeah. Because Molly is not dead. Molly's bit, people see Molly. Jackie saw Molly. Molly saw her sister. Ruth sees Molly. Yeah. And again, Ruth sees everyone. So who, that, that's not really it's, good. Yeah, specific. it's definitely not a, she's actually a ghost. Yes, exactly. Line. So I assume that he has to be like a John Coffey sort of thing where he can kind of cure things also. Well, it takes me back and I'm, I'm getting frustrated thinking of this, but because when Alan first sees the kid mm-hmm. outside of the shed, and he basically like says, can you make her better mm-hmm. like to the kid? And I thought they were going to do a John yeah. Coffey type situation. Yeah. And then they never did. Well, we don't know yet. Maybe this is his way of like leading her back to the right. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm a little. confronting her demons because like she was able to kill her husband. Yeah. Well, he told, I mean, Sam Shaw told us that Green Mile was a huge influence on him. And it wasn't just, I, I don't think it's just the prison milieu. No, you know? I don't it's, either. It's, uh, I do think that there is definitely a John Coffey type thing going on here, but I don't know. I don't think it'll be that clear cut. I think mm-hmm. it'll be something a bit more complicated. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good or bad situation. It might just be, he might just be kind of swept up in something that's much bigger than him. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of want to know, who is he? Yeah. Like, who, we still don't know. who actually is he? And uh, I mean, but when he said she was dead, I just started thinking about, you know, there are other worlds than these gunslinger. You know, I'm thinking about Jake dying in multiple in, yeah. in one world and being alive in another world and the conflict that that arises. Because, in all his right. Mind. So obviously something in the woods, the sound of the universe is that, that you know, where Matthew went yeah. is this kind of marker or beacon tower, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is where this sort of presence is happening yeah and that presence has to be the key to this season yeah you know it's you they've spent so much time talking about it there's the sound it's what's drawn henry matthew everyone away my question is was this a sort of thing where henry left oh wow wait what i got it okay bring it okay so henry is connected to molly yeah so maybe it wasn't Henry that actually went in the woods, but it was actually Molly that left. Hmm. And she died. And so there's something that has to do with, because Molly and Henry are tied together. Yeah. When Henry went into the woods and left and was, was gone, and then the kid came forward, I still feel like there's some sort of swap thing that happened. Uh-huh. The kid came out and someone went back in. Yeah. Now, maybe it was Molly that went in. Yeah. And that's who that the the kid saw. Yeah. When he came out and maybe she died and somebody else came out and there it goes into like the, the, the whole Finney thing. I, I feel like the three of them have to be tied with that event that happened 27 years ago or whatever. Whenever Henry disappeared and the mm-hmm. kid re- reappeared. I don't think we've thought I don't think until this point. I thought Molly was somehow involved in it. Yeah. I absolutely think that she was somehow involved and maybe actually left this world or something like that and came back. I mean, clearly she was still alive because she's been a, a child and everyone's seen her around the town and stuff. But are you thinking like alternate dimensions? Maybe, I don't know something like, I, th- I do think there's some way that they're tied to where Henry went and 
Because I have to imagine, like, that he didn't leave until the father, the father had already been dead when Henry left, right? Mm, I don't think so, no. So the father was killed after Henry had already been found? I think he was killed. I think the father was dead while Henry was gone. Am I wrong? It's very confusing. It's confusing now. Um, because I, I, because my, my, my thing is, is that it's like, if that's the case, then did she gain her powers from this sort of Finney? Mm-hmm. And that's why she's able to feel Henry. Maybe the two of them went in. Maybe she followed Henry. No, never mind. No, because she's always had that connection. Yeah. Because she's had it since they were little kids and stuff. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense. But the three, sorry, this is like, this is a spitball hour. We're just, uh, spitball. you know, doing jazz here. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I, the, the, I still think that the three of them have to be entwined somehow. Yeah. And I guess we're going to find out in the next two, but I, my, my prediction is that when he says that she died, I think it's that she crossed over somehow and something else came back out. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, but then that's really going a literal approach with the dark tower. So, yeah. And they said, once you go to the tower, you can't go back. So I don't know. I so don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's complicated stuff. Here's something a little lighter. Yeah. When I'm, I'm trying to figure out Jackie Torrance as I'm watching this. Cause I'm like, you're obsessed with Jackie. Torrance. Why is she on this show? Okay. Go and I'm starting to, the way that she was operating as this sort of slightly meta character that is that exists and serves to sort of guide us in some ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of what I'm getting from the character. Yeah. She seems to exist independently in some ways. Um, also, she's within the world, but also independent of it at, at times. I'm wondering if if there is one thing that connects all the th- all the seasons, if it would be her. But um, hmm. like various anthology seasons, mm-hmm. like if she was the one character that uh, always came back. But that would have to mean that 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 the stories were all modern. Like, yeah, which I don't think is going to be the case. I don't either. I mean, I definitely think that. I think we're going to go back to like the seventies in the next season. I think we would go back much further. I think. Oh yeah, you want to go back to like? I don't want to go back necessarily, but I would not be surprised if season two or season three, if they get a season three, were set in like the seventeen hundreds. Um, because I feel like some of the early teasers for the show were very big on talking about the, the baked in sort of like the lived in history, like the ancient evil of the town, which is such a King thing and going back to the origins of it. Of course, I'll say this King doesn't write a lot of period horror. And so it would in some ways be a departure departure from King. And that's why I don't think I really want that story, No, but I still in a lot of ways wouldn't be surprised, but going back to the seventies would be cool. Yeah. Cause I can get cooge. Uh yeah, like good I'd, cooch. I'd love I'd love a a, a a cooch cameo like the one we got in the Dark Tower. That was a great one. I, I have you noticed how many times I brought that up on the you, on the you pod? You bring it up almost like every other episode. I am obsessed but... with the cooch cameo in Dark Tower because we wrote a story on it on Consequence of Sound, which means <laughs> I wrote that, that story, I which means that there was a, like somebody deemed that newsworthy. I did. No, but other people did. Oh, de- totally. So as well. So just the idea that, and then when we watched it, and it's literally just a, just a shot of a St. Bernard in New York, mm-hmm. and I lost my shit laughing, because <laughs> I'm like, that is the ultimate lazy reference, and, and of course, what I fear about Castle Rock happening, but um, I, don't, I don't think we'll get cooch. I hate to break your I heart. want the Canberra residents. I want them to be surrounded by, like, maybe the next season is all about how this you know, down-on-his-luck guy tries to start a business. And it's fixing cars. Yeah. And he, and it's just like, 
nothing really creepy happens. He's just trying to, you know, you know, actually something does creepy happen, uh, economic recession. And he has to deal with the financial burden of getting a bank loan and having to deal with a wife that doesn't love him and having to deal with a son that doesn't understand him. Hey, and talk about terror. Yeah. That's the ultimate terror. Terror comes to Castle Rock. It's uh, called... Uh, it's uh, called Growing Up. Yeah. It's called Adulthood. Yeah. It's called Domestic Disturbance and not... Uh, Starring Vince Vaughn. Not Vince Vaughn. Anyway, I look, I, I'm still meditating and uh, simmering these batshit uh, crazy theories involving Molly the Kid and our favorite Henry Deaver. I mean, I'm just thinking about the line, I don't think he's ready yet. Yeah, I don't really know what that fucking means. Like, I mean, maybe Henry and the Kid need to arrive at some mutual understanding and maybe there is some... Because Henry says that? No, the she kid says, says that. Oh, the kid says that. Like uh, when Molly asks about Henry. And so I guess the implication is that the two of them are supposed to go in the woods and something magical will happen. Um, I don't know what that is. But you know what question I also am dying to know? What? Why did Dale Lacey kill himself? I know. Why did he drive his well, car and behead himself in such an elaborate way when he could have just shot himself? Well, we saw that he touched the kid. Touched, but I have to oh, assume oh, that he's yeah. touched the kid multiple times. Yeah, but I don't know. Is that the reason he did it? Well, I mean, everyone else, like, you know, Noel Fisher, well, uh, he, Zlowski, he does a fist bump. Yeah, but then he, he killed other everyone. people. He didn't kill himself. Yeah, but he pretty much, that was pretty much a suicide. But he killed a ton of people. He did. So it's like... Also, who's that shaggy dog that uh, Dale Lacey saw? <laughs> I know, it's Cooch. <laughs> it's Cooch. Like it's Cooch's baby. But seriously, though, why would they show a shaggy dog... When Dale Lacey's about to kill himself. I think it was... Uh, that has to come back. If that doesn't come back, that will drive me nuts. It was Cooge. But you're just having this weird, creepy image. First off, a sheepdog is not a creepy image because they're a lovable dog. And I do love sheepdogs. And they're very fun. But it doesn't make any sense. So like, I, I agree. That, that is something that I feel like they're going to have to like reckon with in like 9 or 10. At least 10. Maybe that could be like the kind of bookmark or bookend. That they go back to because that just, is something that has I just a, want some more uh, John Locke on this show. It is weird that he's just vanished. But. I'm a bit well, and even like Francis Conroy played his wife. She barely did anything. Yeah, but she barely did anything in the Mist last year, so she's not really. She also barely did anything in um, uh, what was that other? Oh no, I guess she did stuff in American Horror Story. By the way, American Horror Story. I did. I did want to mention for Misery. You mentioned it earlier, and I. It is such an app comparison. The idea of bringing in like a new narrative that much late, mm-hmm. so late into the series that really doesn't impact anything. Mm-hmm. That is such a perfect summation of American Horror Story yeah. and why it is actually bad. Well, I because they always most of them start strong. I agree. The first season of American Horror Story is, is awesome until the last like four episodes. Yes. Yeah, when the, and they just introduce like fucking yeah. Black Dahlia Killer. Wait, what? Yeah. Why is that Why there? Why is this here? It's so bad. You have such a strong story already happening. Plus even a, their even their Trump season, like their last season, I watched the first like five episodes and I was really digging it. Yeah. And then it just well, kind of went down the fucking toilet. I my, my thing that I, I really loved is that American Horror Story gave us Dylan McDermott uh, crying while he's masturbating. So that was my favorite um, scene. And like the new season, they're all coming back. Like everybody's coming back from like from even from the first. one. Well, there some of them are resurrecting oh. characters from the third season and some are like Sarah Paulson's playing like her character from the first season. Her wow. Character, wait, wait, Sarah Paulson's in a Ryan Murphy show. I know she's playing her character from the first season, her character from the third season and a new character and Dylan McDermott and Connie Britton are coming back. But As I don't I don't know if they're playing their characters, but they are coming back. And Evan Peters is going to play his character from the first season again and um, various other things. So well, and here's the thing. This is a show, American Horror Story, that even when it is restrained in terms of plotting, um, 
always still veers into massive excess. Yeah. I can't even imagine what this season is going to be like when they're oh, literally yeah. corralling like four other seasons yeah. and mashing them into one and then probably going to add another like like 10 pounds of bullshit in like a five pound bag. One question I do have is, do you think we're going to go back to Shawshank at all? Is that over? Um, I would be ashamed to not see Ann Cusack again. I know. She seemed like a pretty important character. And Teresa. wasn't it? Who is the guy who was on the phone? We recognized his voice. Oh, it was um the and guy then, from the West Wing. Yeah, um, and we were proven right. Yeah, it was. We googled it. Yeah, it was um the guy the guy from the West Wing who's also in the Lost World. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but, um, like what is he literally? Did he just play a phone character? I think he just played a phone character because they were you know maybe he was just in the office that day. Maybe he'll be in another season. Uh, I'd love a whole story about another prison official. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I think we, we should have another season revolving specifically um, around Shawshank for sure. Not interested. No, not 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 really either. But no, it was Richard Schiff. So, oh yeah, I love yeah, Schiff. Love Schiff. Should but, we uh, move on to final thoughts? Yeah. Now don't give me any arguments. The ice is gonna break. So. It's interesting because I did like this episode. Yeah, I, I was entertaining. But I think it epitomized some of the problems that I've been having with the season as a whole. And a lot of our listeners, because what I've noticed on Facebook is a lot of people are really digging this show right now. I know. And it is, it's great. Like, I, I do I love, love the show and I'm so glad it got a second yeah. season because I feel like, you know, I feel like they're probably going to discover a lot of, you know, what worked and what didn't on this totally. series, season to really do next season. Yeah. I mean, that's the joy of an anthology show. It's like mm-hmm. you can start from scratch again. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've seen with Fargo, like how like first season of Fargo is great. But second season, it's it's, you know, a lot of people like the first season more. I love the first season. I do, too. Yeah. But I think the second season introduces like new textures and like totally and things totally. in really interesting ways. Well, also, it also happened at a point where before Noel Hawley, like uh, decided to take his head. Yeah. And shove it right up his ass. Um <laughs> Because if you like watch Legion, like any of like towards the end of Legion or season three of Fargo, yeah, is, he's so fucking obsessed with his own aesthetic yeah. that it becomes so distracting. And that's something that I'm either way. I've been to go back. To, I've been I agree scared away you, from Legion because two season season two of Fargo is like they open up the doors and they tighten things that they didn't tighten exactly right in season one. Yeah, and um, I love even it. Even though season one is pretty fucking, it's sharp, so actually. good. I adore season one, but um, and like I think from a storytelling perspective, it's just more satisfying. But yeah, season two is more interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. That's the thing that makes me very excited for season two of Castle Rock. But I mean, I'm just getting. I think I'm a little frustrated with the pace mm-hmm. and um with. With the idea, I don't know, the show just feels, um, in a way, the the texture and the tone of the show feels like it's changed a lot, and I am I almost need some more answers. I feel like I'm, we're yeah. getting too many questions and not enough answers. I just think there's so much going on. Yeah. And you have a lot of compelling textures and narratives that you didn't need to go this far. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's not very Kingian. Right. You know, like when it comes to characters. Yeah. He's very complex and he has a lot of things, but they all build to one sole narrative for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, like Salem's Lot, Vampires in Town, yeah. Under the Dome, Corruption. Right. Like, Well, that's why we always do the hook. Yeah. Like every time we do a king because yeah. we're like, it's easy to boil his stuff down. And I have no idea what the hook is in this. Well, I mean, I, at first like, it was kind of like... Like the seeds of the evil, I guess? Yeah. Or? I mean, at first it was kind of just like, well, it's this um, thing in a cage. Yeah. It's like it's like discovering... Um, a monster in a cage yeah. and is it a good thing or is it bad and i mean i guess that's still there but there's the been so man. much yeah there's been so much that's been added around the edges of it yeah. that it's like obfuscated it a little bit oh totally that's a good word too nice Thank you. 25 cent word what can i say um, i went to grad school yeah. um so i'm gonna give it three and a half 
bright red Pennywise clown noses. Yeah. Uh, solid up. I enjoyed a lot of it in a vacuum. Um, but I think as a as a narrative, as like a full narrative, like as an episode, it it felt a little bit. Um, frustrating, but it did have a great cliffhanger, and mm-hmm. it made me very excited for the next episode, yeah, which so, is what you want. Yeah, that's what you want. So, uh, I, I had some problems with it, so that's why I'm going to give it five. Uh, Brightwood, Friday night. Brightwood. I'm going to give it uh, five. Brightwood. I'm I'm going to give it three, uh, just Whoa. because. Yeah, because I I felt that there were some some interesting. I just felt that it was very disjointed, and yeah. it was it's. I think that it was there's some very compelling moments. I think disparately, if you're looking at through every section. Great. Yeah. But there's just that unifi- that unifying thing. I was pretty disappointed that the the action and the tension superseded any sort of discover uh, superseded any sort of discovery for Henry yeah. at the the Lacey house. Agreed. Because this 100%. is something that they've been building up forever and I feel like they absolutely bottomed out. It just turned into a fight. Well, yeah, like there was nothing he found really. Yeah. Like nothing just, nothing he, changed because he went there. So he confirmed that he got out that the the kid came at the same time that he was lost yeah i guess that's that's, supposed to be the takeaway that's like that's not enough we already know that yeah exactly well we know that so i guess he needed to know that so he can be propelled to the next thing but like nobody could have i don't know it just seems like such a a long-winded way to find that out yeah yeah and i'm with you so i don't know for me Three, still solid. Three nose are still know, solid. If we, live in a, if we live in a society where people didn't like cower from C pluses, which honestly, that's what most of the grades uh, society gets, um, then they would be fine. But I've three been, is what I'm giving I it. I have so. been viciously attacked online for giving things a C plus. And it's not bad. If I got a C plus sometimes on tests, I'd be totally stoked. Well, it's like there's a Calvin and Hobbes comic where he gets like a D on something because he gets like a 60%. That's a bad grade, though. Well, I know. But well, the thing is, he goes, he goes, he's like yelling about it. And he goes, because why should 60% be or maybe it was like 58%. He's like, why should 58% be failing? He's like, do you know how rare it is that people get more than half of something? Right. Like, you know, and he's yeah, just basically a, saying he's like to get 58% out of 100 on something is incredible. That's a huge achievement in this day and age. <laughs> it's so funny. I love um, Calvin and Hobbes. I also love uh, Peanuts. And I, uh, do you like Snoopy? What the fuck? I'm just going off on a on a tangent. I there. like Snoop's uh I like Snoop Dogg, Snoop Doggy Dog Snoop more Doggy than Doggy I like Bones. Snoopy. What? Bones. Bone oh the movie Bones? Bones. Dire- yeah. Directed by Ernest Dickerson. Is that what he did? Yeah, he also did uh Juice and um Demon Knight. Wow, that's a pretty good career. I know. He's well he was honored at the recent Chicago Cinepocalypse for the Lifetime Achievement Award. That was uh, held at the music box, which by the way. We will probably be back there next year. Yeah, we've got some news uh, on the horizon. So if you didn't come, I'm I'm going too far. Yeah, you're going a little too far. (laughs) We're going to hold it back on there, but just know that uh, we got some uh, fun plans. This is it. For, for this week yeah I, this I'm, is it this is the you know this is it just like uh the uh michael the jackson album. documentary uh that's is this it oops this this is it is the uh <laughs> the michael jackson documentary that sony had to make to recoup all the money that they gave to that uh tour and i'm sure that they did make back that money oh i'm sure i felt did. like that was like a consistent uh dvd edition back in the age of dvds like I you would go it. to somebody's house they always had that dvd I, I, it was like that and jerry Maguire. Well, this is this happened after he died in 2009. So um, you're thinking of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, which I loved. Maybe. Anyway, we're getting off another tangent. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking over on this pod now. I'm just going to host it out of here. Uh, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been our recap and analysis and deep dive into episode eight of Castle Rock. There's two episodes left. And then guess what? 
It's Pennywise time, baby. Oh, yeah. We are going to Derry. We are scrambling to finish this book. Yeah. Um, as we get there, you guys should be reading it, too. Let us know how you're enjoying it. And um, it's going to be a good time. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I think somebody gave us a bad review because we're down to 4.5 again. So what? we got to get that up. We got to get it up. What? So if you haven't left, left us a review, this is imperative. It is imperative that you get us back up to 5.0. We are begging you from the bottom of our stinking black hearts. Please give us a good review on iTunes. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram because we post unique content. I'm the only one who pushes that on the pod. You guys never advertise it well. I I do push it sometimes. You got to follow us on Twitter. You got to follow us on Facebook. And you got to follow us on Instagram because we post unique content. Unique content. Look, that, I, that I'm outside I, the pod. We work in, in digital media. Yeah, we do. We know the importance of, of unique content. I like fresh content. Fresh, unique content. Yeah. I, if I had to rank our social networks, though, I would put Instagram as number one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to Facebook, Facebook, for sure. Because we have like a good uh, rapport with our audience there. Yeah. Twitter, we uh, there'll be two days will go by and I haven't gone. Yeah, but Twitter's great. Twitter's we get right. some really good stuff on Twitter. We get some good stuff on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. we get some good stuff. We get some good uh, uh, scoops sometimes on Twitter. Yeah, we get the scoops. Yeah, the scoops. We're always looking for scoops, by the way. I'm going to be looking for scoops next year. You know why? Because uh, my boy Steve Harrington's working at Scoops Ahoy at Starting the new Hawkins Mall. Stranger Things Season 3. Hopefully, they'll maybe they'll sponsor us. That would be great because I give it enough fucking uh, advertisement as it is. Next week, we got Henry Deaver. Henry Deaver is the name of the episode next week, which says a lot, I think. I think it does say um, a lot. And I think that having seen the press still for the, for the next episode, there's a reason they're hiding it. Because mm. the press still reveals something. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, well, weird. just something that it's, it's a shocking. It's a photo that you're not expecting. Wow. And uh, I was very struck by it when I saw it. So look forward to that. I think it's going to be really cool. And um, until, that's it. Until then, what? Long days. And pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. I got some hot friends God, I got some hot friends I got some hot friends God, I got some hot friends But you know you want somebody To treat you good But it's hard to find some- Consequence Podcast Network